This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Happy post-debate morning. I didn't even get to watch it live. I had to watch it, you know, via sound bites over and over. I couldn't go to sleep. I was so enthralled with the Jeb Trump smackdown. Really? That two-minute bit. (laughs) It's such an interesting thing. Donald is still, uh, he, you know, pretty much untouched, really. I mean, nobody really got their hands on him. No. And yet, and they tried. The they, CNN, uh, you know, moderators. They did their best. They tried. Well, and that's one of the Donald's big complaints: is man, how come every question, every question, they led with Mr. Trump this, Mr. Trump that? Well, you're the front runner, right? Your poll numbers. You've mentioned them thirty three times, and then a few times you heard Carly going, "Can I answer? Am I going to?" I, gonna I be got able something to, to say, <laughs> Carly. I got something to say. Um, anyway, just an interesting. It's it's an interesting debate, but. Did you learn anything new? No. No. I, well, lear- I learned that when directly asked, Ted Cruz will not say anything bad about Donald Trump. Yeah. I think— it, But in private, he has. We've played right? the audio. No, don't you but in, 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 but, And then he's like, oh, no, it's, I won't say anything different there that I wouldn't say here. And then he didn't say anything right. negative or challenging towards Trump. He, Joe Scarborough believes they have an alliance. A pact of some kind. Yeah. They're just—leave each other alone— and they'll float into April together. And whoever is on top is on top. Whoever's yeah. well, then well, Trump wouldn't yeah. be advised. So no, he wouldn't take a step back to anyone. Mm-mm. He's Donald Trump. But you know, may, many might think you know Trump and Cruz are a lot alike. But Cruz at least won't say everything he thinks. Yeah, between the two, I'd say Cruz probably has a better filter. You know. He's, <laughs> Let's let's listen to some of the highlights of this wonderful throwdown. Um, let's listen to clip number two, Jeb uh, and Trump going um, head to head. So Donald, you know, is great at at the uh, one liners, but he's a chaos candidate and he'd be a chaos president. He would not be the commander in chief we need to keep our country safe. Jeb doesn't really believe I'm unhinged. He said that very simply because he has failed in this campaign. It's been a total disaster. Nobody cares. Mm. <laughs> and then Je- after that, Jeb finishes up with, you can't. Uh, you're not going to win by insulting your way yeah. to the White House. You will not insult your way to the White House. And he got, he got cheers. Jeb, I think that was his best debate ever. I mean, that I've ever seen. I don't know if it'll get him anywhere. I, mean, I saw some people that wrote uh, this morning that they felt like Jeb actually got the better of Donald Trump. Yeah. I think that was kind of a reach. I don't think he did. Well, wasn't it interesting that no, – where was everyone else? It seems like, you know, I learned back on the in the schoolyard that when one person's taking on the bully and he gets a good shot in, even if it's a low blow. Pile on? That's when everyone should pile on. Okay. And it's almost like Jeb was over there looking back like, hey, anyone else going to jump in on this? Well, I – who jumped in, really? You're thinking that Ted has some sort of pact with Trump. Yeah. Or, or, or Joe Scarborough. Yeah, yeah. Um, ben Carson, probably not going to <laughs> no. challenge somebody. No. 
Um, some people may think he was asleep. That's kind Rubio of the, the had his own beat down. Everyone was kind of jumping on Rubio, yeah. so he had to fight that off. So he probably and, didn't want to get involved. I and and it doesn't matter what anybody else beyond those few do because they're so low in the numbers that they're not going to challenge the guy that has thirty eight percent of yeah of the support at the moment. Except, you know, clock is ticking. They've only got, I mean, this was it. This was the last chance for somebody to, I mean, the last chance for some of these candidates to do something. Will anybody drop out between now and the first of the year? They'll write it to Iowa. They'll write it to Iowa. They've got nothing to lose. No. They all all have money. Lightning could strike. Mm. You know, Donald did come up with um, his whole internet thing is so interesting. Having Donald talk about... Okay, we got to go to the smart people. We're going to find the smart people. Well, he's changed to his smart people. He said it was Bill Gates before. Yeah, and not Bill anymore. <laughs> as a lot of, I've been reading a lot of like technology blogs the last few days, and they point out that Microsoft, Why? 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 Microsoft was several, like a decade behind on the internet. Yeah, yeah. That, they, they were slow to get to the right. smartphone. They were slow to get. To, you know, they were making money. They were. They busy. were. They were fine with their their, yeah. their desktop publishing and all that. And so that those types of technology wasn't their strong point. Now, Bill Gates may have influence, but he's not the guy to go to. Then he's changed it to I'll talk to my friends at Google or mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. So so Trump was like, we we need to you know we need to we should have known we should have known what was going on with this the whole San Bernardino thing because mm-hmm. we should have been monitoring. Um, in clip 10, listen to this. This is Trump on closing the Internet or part of the Internet. Are you open to closing parts of the Internet? I would certainly be open to closing areas where we are at war with somebody. I sure as hell don't want to let people that want to kill us and kill our nation use our Internet. Yes, sir, I am. Thank you. Uh- what I wanted to do is I wanted to get our brilliant people from Silicon Valley and other places brilliant people. to figure a way that ISIS cannot use the Internet. And then on second, we should be able to penetrate the Internet and find out exactly where ISIS is and everything about ISIS. And we can do that if we use our good people. Our brilliant people is I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how the internet works. Yeah. But I don't think He acts like it's controlled by the United States. Right. Like we own it. When He even said like we we invented it. Right. Well, uh, But it's open. It's an open system. Al Gore invented it if we're going like, to yeah. attribute. But um <laughs> Al Gore invented it. But I don't think it just works like that. Where no. you just and I don't think you just go you know, call in Silicon Valley. I, I need the brilliant people. Send me the brilliant people. Yeah, there's not a hotline. And then we just go fix it like that. I think that's how he – I think his mind works is that it's just that simple. And I think what happens is the rest of his followers are like, well, yeah. 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 You get the smart people. Of course. And it's then good, you just good close management. that part down and then you just know what everyone's doing. He it, was Trump was asked afterwards about are you willing to do something like that, shut down the internet if it steps on the First Amendment? Yeah. And he goes, I'm uncomfortable with that, but this is a different time, a different place. We need to worry about We're our safety. We're at war. Oh! And that, that has a lot of people uh, scared as in the idea that you have a candidate who thinks it's, it's a good idea to go ahead and step on the First Amendment to get things done. So. This, is, this is where it's – I think, again, what he does incredibly well, Donald's forte 
is he speaks the mind of a lot of people. And it's probably oversimplified without a real plan, but it resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, get the smart people, shut down the internet. They should have known that. How could they not have known that? But we've read that a simplified message, and he's not, you know, you don't have to work in a bunch of details because you can just say, we'll get that done later. This is what we want to do, though, and it's a message people will get. Well, and then then it's just once you're president in your first hundred days, you call the smart people in. Yes. It was interesting, the battle and the beatdown Obama took. I mean, the stuff that, I mean, every one of them, what, it was amazing what was being said about I, I really loved Lindsey Graham's, did you hear Lindsey Graham's quote about, uh, there's way too many conservatives that hate their president, current president, and there's way too many liberals that hated Bush. Yes. And it's not just the presidents that create these problems. I mean, it was no. a, he had a really emotional call that, we got to get going, folks. He I, did, I think he was the winner overall because he had so many jabs. He has nothing to lose. He took everyone on. I was annoyed when Bush was president yeah, because there was that voice that everything he did was wrong. Right. That he was not right. And then right. he, he's, he has intelligence, yeah. right? But he, there, he was painted as an idiot. Right. And that's kind of how some people see him as, oh, he was just an idiot. I don't know how he got elected. And he got pegged for the whole uh, – you know, Iraq fiasco. He got us into Iraq, but he didn't create ISIS. He's and that's that's what that's what Lindsey Graham was saying. What it comes, yeah, and, and but and he was saying it's not his fault. And, and I, what if you look at it? And there's we have the we had a guest on about the about ISIS a while back, and I've read the book and yeah. talk about it a lot. But uh, it's all of it. It's, it's all right. of the choices between all of you know since the Bush to now and everything. It's it's all of that that caused ISIS. It's so true. All and, these choices. And yeah, and so it's more. It's always more complicated than that. We are in a minute going to be talking on immigration reform because in in the uh, in the debate, immigration comes up all the time. You know, and think of these terms. We've heard about you know what we have to do with the Mexican border, building a wall. We've heard of mass deportation, SWAT teams removing eleven million illegals from the United States. Syrian refugees uh, and how many we're going to bring over, banning Muslims, non-U.S. Muslims from coming into the country. All of these are immigration issues. So we wanted to talk uh, in, about immigration and, and get just informed, folks, and get the, the tools, the information you need. So in a minute, Marguerite Telford will be joining us. She's the director of communications for the Center for Immigration Studies, which is uh, kind of a non uh, – what's the word? Just a – basically a nonpartisan, independent research group about immigration. And we're going to be picking her brain. One reason is because uh, Trump's making a lot of noise about immigration. Um, And here's one of his clips from last night's debate on immigration. As far as other people, like in the migration, where they're going, tens of thousands of people having cell phones with ISIS flags on them, I don't think so, Wolf. They're not coming to this country. And if I'm president, and if Obama has brought some to this country, they are leaving. They're going. They're gone. We are not talking about isolation. We're talking about security. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about security. Our country is out of control. People are pouring across the southern border. I will build a wall. It'll be a great wall. People will not come in unless they come in legally. Drugs will not pour through that wall. So... When you think about it, um, immigration, immigration, all these issues were immigration. And then Trump took on Jeb on the border uh, with uh, with 
um, clip 11. Listen to this. We need a toughness. We need strength. We're not respected as a, you know, as a nation anymore. We don't have that level of respect that we need. And if we don't get it back fast, we're just going to go weaker, weaker, and just disintegrate. We can't allow that to happen. We need strength. We don't have it. When Jeb comes out and he talks about the border, and I saw it, and I was witness to it, and so was everyone else, and I was standing there, they come across as an act of love. He's saying the same thing right now with radical Islam. And we can't have that in our country. It just won't work. We need strength. Governor Uh, Bush. Donald, uh, you're not going to be able to insult your way to the presidency. That's not going to happen. Immigration, it's it's the hot topic. And so in just a minute, we'll be bringing on Marguerite Telford and uh, just basically getting the lowdown, unfolding the complicated issue of immigration. See if we can't give you more information so you can make better decisions instead of just reacting to uh, these sound bites. But before we do that, let's get to the headlines, find out what Terry South's got going on around the world. Terry? Thanks, Matt. The House Speaker Paul Ryan told Republican lawmakers late Tuesday that congressional leaders have struck a deal on a $1.1 trillion year-end tax and spending package. The omnibus package will avert a government shutdown and fund the government through October of 2016 as part of the deal. A uh, reauthorization and expansion of aid for emergency workers suffering ailments related to the 9-11 attacks. The House and Senate are expected to vote on the legislation on Thursday. The uh, L.A. County School District, the the country's second largest school system in Los Angeles, was expected to reopen today after classes were canceled due to a bomb threat emailed to members of the Board of Education. L.A. School Superintendent Ramon Cortina said that he made the decision due to recent events in nearby San Bernardino and closed all 900 schools. Investigators later determined that the threat was not credible. New York City Police Commissioner William Bratton dismissed a similar threat as a hoax and kept schools open. A Birmingham, Alabama city council member reportedly attacked the mayor a little before 11 a.m. Tuesday outside the city council meeting. Witnesses say council member Marcus Lindy attacked Mayor William Bell from behind. A reporter on the scene says the mayor's neck is swollen and that a warrant will be issued for the council member's arrest. (laughs) Wow. Talk about that's like the beatdown we were expecting with Trump, but happened at some council meeting. In Alabama, so we'll watch how that story develops. And 2015's Word of the Year, according to Merriam-Webster's editors, is a three-letter suffix, mm-hmm. ism. Ism. The editors say there have been huge spikes in searches for words ending in the suffix this year, including socialism, fascism, racism, feminism, communism, capitalism, and terrorism. Man, lots of isms. So ism, that's your Trumpism. Word of the Year. Interesting. Ism is just a suffix. Yeah. You didn't think that would be a word. Huh. Guess you make your own rules. Guess they can do whatever they want. It's their dictionary. Hey, we're going to take a break, folks. Uh, When we come back, we will start unfolding the chaos of immigration reform. Is a wall the answer? We call that a strong tactic or technique. But there's also soft techniques. um, And... uh, It's just pretty interesting when you get into the real numbers, the real data about what's going on with immigration and how it impacts our lives day in and day out. Stick with us, folks. Marguerite Telford will be joining us from the Center for Immigration Studies. We're going to try to unwind this a bit. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, it's it's been the topic of uh, a lot of confusion, a lot of anger, a lot of rancor. When you, you think about, you know, phrases like building a wall, having Mexico pay for it, um, illegal immigration, you know, the terrorists that are coming up from the border because we don't have strong enough security on the border, uh, mass deportations. Uh, do you remember um, uh, Mitt Romney basically had a major hit to his presidential hopes uh, when he was saying of self-deportation, that these people would self-select to leave the country. I mean, there's just a lot of issue and a lot of uh, problems surrounding this topic of immigration. So we wanted to get the get kind of down to the real nuts and bolts of it and find out what's really going on. Uh, you've heard of E-Verify. You've heard of all of these other techniques that could be used. You've heard some people say if all we did was live the laws we have, uh, immigration would be would be more under control. And so we wanted to talk to somebody who was in the know and joining us today from Washington, D.C., from the Center for Immigration Studies is Marguerite Telford. She's the director of communications there, and she's here to help us understand better the current immigration policies, the effects of immigration, and the status of refugees uh, coming into the country. We've heard a lot about that with the Syrian refugees. Marguerite Telford, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi, thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning to you, and thank you for joining us. Um, I'm sure you saw the debate last night, and again, immigration, you know, uh, pretty big issue. Um, What's... What's really causing the divide? It seems like the two parties can't openly, clearly discuss real solutions. We're so polarized on this issue. Yeah, I mean, it, well, you know, it's funny because I, 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 the CIS is a think tank. It's a research, research organization. Right. And here we have really kind of a rainbow of politics. You know, we have people on the far left and the far right, um, in the middle. Um, we have a mix. Um, having said that, we all, through all of our research, kind of agree on the fact that at this point in history, at this time, that we probably need you know, to reduce and have a reduction in the numbers that are coming into the country. Um, but, you know, for us, that's not a political conversation because right. we all disagree on politics. And, in fact, we all dis- disagree a little bit on some of the details of how you can get there. Um, but it's, it is an interesting debate, and, and it, there is a divide. And part of it is, is you've had this huge growth of kind of the open border. Um, we shouldn't have, you know, have entirely open borders and people who think that, you know, national security is, is the number one job of the government and, and right now are not feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's do you think it's kind of the media like just soundbite journalism and it makes it so, you know, Donald Trump makes a comment about the border and building the wall and then, you know, deportation of 11 million people. And then Hillary Clinton can make a quote and then everyone just kind of jumps in and we take their we, we just take their bites. But we don't we don't ever get a, a view of the whole picture. Yeah, you know, it is. It, I, I do agree with you. But um you know, part of it's media's fault for not, you know, reporting detail. You know, make going after the details. Right. Part of it's the the the, pe- the politicians' fault because they don't actually really want to talk the details. And ultimately, it's the fault of the public who doesn't demand or even sometimes want to know or even yeah. learn enough 
to have the details mean something to them. You heard Ted Cruz last night um, when Rubio was talking about, oh, I can't remember what it was, and he said, you know, but let's talk about what the bill really said. Here's the reason I voted no on it. Mm-hmm. I agreed with this part of it, but my, my constituents expected me to vote against this bit that was in it, so I had to vote against the whole bill. Well, if you don't know enough about the subject area, you know, you just get one blurb on, you know, he didn't vote for the bill, therefore he didn't support so-and-so, yeah. when that may have nothing to do with why someone votes against a bill. I mean, it is really complicated, and for the general public who has no desire outside the Beltway to be looking, <laughs> looking right. at those details, we get obsessed with it here. Um, but the majority of Americans don't look at the details of a bill. That's what I love about knowing that, that there is kind of – that there's a think tank that is also independent – you're not trying to and, – and you are so diverse in your, your values and your views because it seems like we can cut through this. So, so, so maybe take us – Can I, can yeah, I go please. back to something you said right when you um, were introducing me and you were talking about Romney and self-deportation and mm-hmm. all? And, and back to back with that, you mentioned the, um, um, the, the comment about um, getting rid of – Trump saying he's going to get rid of all the 11 million illegals. Right. Yeah, that's one thing that we actually have looked at. Um, we looked at it back with Rom- when Romney was talking about self-deportation. We looked at it with Trump. And the fact is, it is possible to make a huge reduction in our illegal population. And it's so funny because I get so tired of hearing these, these politicians who, uh, who say, what do you want to do, round them up? Is this going to be like mm-hmm. bringing in cattle cars? Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, right. in fact, and in fact, in the first five years that Obama was in office, we had 2.5 million illegal aliens leave the country. See, this is what people don't get. 2.5 million left. They want to leave. They they want to leave. It's not like they all want to stay, right? So they voluntarily, 2.5 voluntarily had left. Yeah, you know, because the border is not just a one-way thing. I mean, people come and go, and sometimes, you know, um, they come in and they can't get the job they want or they can't make the money they, they thought they could, so they leave. Or maybe they miss their family, or maybe a family member's sick, or maybe they've been here for a decade. They've made all the money they want. Mm-hmm. They can go back and buy the house and, and have the lifestyle they want back in their hometown. Um, there's lots of reasons people don't choose to stay here. So in five years, 2.5 million left. Now, now imagine if we actually enforced our laws um, and we actually had a secure border and another 2.5 million hadn't come in to replace them, hmm. right? Yeah. So that's the first step. You get rid of 2.5 million. And then on their own actually, accord. Right. And, and, then, and you've and done nothing. We've no. done nothing. That's, that's self-deportation. That's right. That's you, know, right. you can use whatever term you want. Yeah. But sometimes people choose, choose to go home. That's interesting. I mean, because again, like visas, they have their student visas. They, there, there's. I didn't know this number, but your, I, I read a, an article put out by your organization that basically every th- three weeks, ten million new uh, immigrants, uh, not so they call them non-immigrant aliens, enter the United States. Yeah, well, actually, people are, right, don't typically know the numbers. So. Um, 1.1 million, a little bit over 1.1 million legal immigrants come into our country every year, legally, yeah. legally, One point over 1.1 million. That's more than every country in the world combined. Hmm. We are very, very generous with immigration. We also bring in, in addition to that, you know, over 600,000 guest workers every single year. And that's on top of the 11.5 million illegal um, that we have in the country right now. That's a huge number of immigrants 
immigrants in our country. Um, and, you know, how I try to explain it sometimes is just like defense policy or economic policy, it changes. You know, it changes depending on what kind of um, where the country is at that moment, where unemployment or, our, you know, unemployment is, where our, you know, what's going on with with the economy, that, you know, depending on what, what type of labor force we're having, at different periods of history, we need or benefit more or less from having massive numbers of immigrants come in. And, and I think at this period of our history, having massive immigration like we're having now is not in the best interest of the U.S., it's not in the best interest of the American worker, American taxpayer, and maybe it's time to, to decrease those caps you know, for a period of time. We've done it in the past. 1920s, we cut off immigration altogether. Um, So it should change. And there is not, we have no reason to have to always be increasing our immigration numbers unless it benefits this country. Like that's what they were saying. Like, then let's keep, let's keep the the incredible, amazing people that do come here to to become educated. Those we might want to keep. Those that have incredible abilities or gifts or talents or services or those that uh, are are great contributors and, and adding to society, those we might be able to keep, but then just simply manage the illegal part of it. Well, what most people don't realize is back in 1965 with the Immigration Act, we totally changed um, how our immigration system works. So, you know, as of 1965, you know, we we do not have a system that brings in um, high-skilled workers that we need, or we target different areas where, you know, where where we need more agriculture, or we need more techies, we need more. We don't do that. We're a family-based immigration. I think 80% of our immigrants are family-based, so they, they're coming in because they're related to somebody, which, by the way, we totally changed our chain migration, so we allow in a lot more extended family than we ever did. So you bring in one, you're actually bringing in a whole lot more than one. Um, and so... That's why um, we have, I think, they, our last study on welfare of immigrants, and that's legal and illegal together, 52% of households are on welfare. Hmm. And that's a very high cost. And at different times in history, we can't afford the cost. Yeah. So, so really, it is costing us in services, uh, immigration, and uh, and also in potential economic job issues. We also gain economically by uh, certain forms of, of um, I guess, you know, having travel, visiting visas, education visas. Um, so, so really it's – but you, you're – as your organization now, you, you're in a position where you say at this time in our society, it probably would do better for the United States to tighten down on immigration Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not it's at all levels. First of all, when you bring in family based immigration, when you bring in a high number of um, lower educated individuals, and I'm not saying that doesn't mean they're not hard workers. I mean, some of these immigrants come in, they can have two or three jobs. They can have a tremendous work ethic. But if you have a low level of education, you're not getting high wages. You can work two jobs and still be on welfare, as a lot of Americans know nowadays. Um, but, you know, it works on both ends. Now, my daughter goes to an engineering school, and people have in this head, oh, in, in engineers make so much money, stiff right. workers. But, you know, the wages for engineers, and all except for petrochemicals, have been depressed. The wages have been depressed for, you know, almost a decade. 
Um, and part of that is because we're bringing in so many foreign students and foreign workers that, you know, higher, it depresses wages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a lot of people don't realize how it works. So you bring in these uh, a large number of foreign students. Um, and, you know, where my daughter goes to school, there is a large number of, um, especially like Chinese or Indian, but particularly Chinese foreign foreign students. Um, and my daughter speaks fluent Chinese, so oh, wow. she doesn't have a pretty problem. She doesn't have a problem yeah. with that. She's part of the community, really. But, but what, what they don't know is that we have a program called OPT, which started calling it a um, training program. But what, in fact, it does is turn a student visa into a work visa because they couldn't get Congress to increase the number of Mm. H-1Bs. So now you allow students to stay in the country and to work, even though they don't have a work visa, competing with with the people coming out of school and with with other, like, high-skilled workers. And what's even worse than that is because they're still really on student visas, that means the employer doesn't have to pay payroll tax. Uh. So the employer saves 7% by choosing the foreign worker over the American worker. Mm-hmm. And, and Obama's now now asked, he wants to increase the um, OPT program for three years. So you can come out of school and work in America without a real work visa for three years if he gets the way he wants. And during that time, employers are are being... I mean, they're being given an incentive to discriminate against the American worker, like my daughter, who will come out of school looking for a job. No, this is – and I think this is why so many people are frustrated because they see these examples in their own lives. We're speaking with Marguerite Telford. She is uh, the communications director for the Center for Immigration Studies out of Washington, D.C. We're going to take a break, come back, continue this discussion discussion about immigration reform and uh, what really could be done. It's amazing to know, folks. There's a lot of very soft solutions that um, that aren't hard solutions like SWAT teams rounding up, you know, immigrants to to have to 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 clean up some of these problems. There's soft solutions. There's already bills. There's laws. There's rules that we already have. We're just not enforcing. Um, along with some other and interesting, I think, options and opportunities. We'll be back learning more from Marguerite Telford on the immigration issue. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. everybody to the Matt Townsend show we are talking about uh, immigration reform and you know you hear about it you've heard about it for years probably decades now we need to do something about immigration and uh, we are speaking to uh, truly the experts on the subject now Uh, Marguerite Telford is the director of communications for the Center for Immigration Studies in Washington DC it is an independent nonpartisan immigration research institute And their goal is to basically gather the data, gather the true facts, the information, and then, like, you know, probably influence policy and and keep everyone educated and and just get the facts out. And so we wanted to pick Marguerite Telford's brain today and and figure out what's really going on. Marguerite, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for being here again. Um, Talk to us then. So 
we're, we're at a stage, uh, 11 million, I guess, undocumented uh, immigrants in the United States. We hear about the Syrian refugees that we're going to be bringing into the country. A lot of people are afraid of that. Donald Trump makes the comment about Muslims, uh, non-American Muslims should not be allowed into the country until we figure out what's going on. Um, When you see the immigration issue, how big of a threat are these other issues, the Syrian refugee needs and um, the the Muslim immigration flow? Are those – are those anywhere near uh, the level of impact? Because they're getting a lot of press now as maybe just – the you know the border problems we need to to close down and fix well gosh there's so many things we need to fix <laughs> yeah um and you know we do need to fix the border that is a problem and we do need to fix um interior enforcement which gets a lot less discussion by the media but you know over 40 percent of those people who are here illegally are came came legally and overstayed on their visas and those numbers that percentage wise um have have the number is now 50% from the last year, not 40%. Hmm. So we have an interior enforcement problem as well. Something as simple as a nationally verify program, which um, you know I think was in Trump's immigration proposal. Um, Cruz also has e-verify in there. But you know, being able to get a job lures people in. Right. Um, if you knew, and an employee, if an employer knew that if they hire someone who's here illegally, and they, which is against the law to hire someone, if they do that, they're going to be fined, um, and the people are going to lose their jobs or be deported. Um, the magnet to come up here. You guys have to realize that you know we had just in the last two months. 10,000 unaccompanied minors come across the southern border. We had 20,000 family units come across in just the last two months. This surge, this flood that's been coming in, it hasn't stopped. Mm. And, you know, and it's not going to stop until we decide we're going to enforce our laws and enforce a border. Um, It's not going to stop, and it comes at a cost, you know, and part of that is unemployment, and part of that is the fiscal cost. But, um, you know, we, it's as easy as enforcing the border. I mean, that's, <laughs> deciding, I guess... Deciding you want to do it. Do you realize that since Obama's taken office, we now deport one-third less individuals... I mean, ha- no, one-third less um, people are deported. We went from deporting 236,000 a year down to 72,000, even though we have larger numbers coming in. And the Obama administration said, oh, well, we're not going to enforce those laws because we can't do it, so we're going to prioritize, so we're just going to focus on criminals. But we are now deporting, even though we are finding more of them because we have better ways of doing it, Mm -hmm. we are now deporting 50 percent less criminal aliens than we did at the beginning of his administration. Now, Margaret, this is – this is – okay, so this is what it seems like. Uh, the the opposition to that w- or the to those ideas would say the, the optics of little children coming across the Mexican border um, and the idea that we're just going to send them back or, you know, get rid of them. It 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 doesn't seem American. But, you know, well, three things. First of all, you need to really not use the word children. You can use the word youth. Yeah. But please don't use the word children because the majority of them are like 17, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds. Um, and you know what? That comes with a risk because there are gang members um, coming across that border. 
Right. Um, there are criminals coming across that border. And I have to tell you what got me involved with immigration in the first place is a family friend's son was shot. Um, he was like 150 miles off the border and shot point blank in the face multiple times with a machine gun. Um, and you know what? That, impact, that impacted me because if one person can walk across the border with the kind of weapons this guy walked across, um, he's not the only one doing it. And it's also, there's a reason that some of these signs on the border saying this is the border, it's illegal to cross, are in Chinese and in multiple languages. Mm. It's not just Mexicans, it's not just people from Central America that are walking across our border. It is a national security risk not to know who's coming into our country. So a lot, a lot of what uh, your um, organization is saying is if we would just enforce existing laws, which, again, are a softer approach than SWAT teams converging on a, a home in L.A. Um, it's, it's just simply E-Verify. It's, um, it's when, we, when we find somebody – it's basically putting pressure on the businesses that they're going to be paying penalties for this so that those that come legally you know, for a visit and then overstay their visit, they don't have – there, there's not an incentive no to get a job. Yeah, there's no benefit to stay. No benefits to coming. You know, and it's, it's, it's people who leave on their own. It's having to verify. It's not being able to get jobs, so the lure is gone. It's knowing that if you get caught, you will be deported. If word goes back that says, gosh, I took a very – by the way, to get these mules to take you from Central America up to the border, some of these people are paying $5,000. Mm. So not only is it a hazardous trip – it's a very expensive trip. This isn't the poorest of the poor coming across our borders. It's very expensive. If word got back that these people were getting up here and having to make that treacherous trip back, um, it just makes common sense that some of those people would not choose to make that trip anymore. Is there, is there a benefit to amnesty where you grant a certain amount after you get E-Verify going, you tighten up the borders? Is there, a, is there an advantage to amnesty where you could maybe legalize a bunch of these that are now seen as illegal immigrants and and start uh, taxing and start, you know, deriving more benefit by them being legalized? Well, I, I think first what you do is, I mean, what you don't do is give an amnesty like Rubio wanted to 11.5 million people. Rubio is totally rewriting his, his thoughts on immigration. If it weren't for him, the Gang of Eight bill would have never passed the Senate. The, um, he, want, he wanted amnesty, and he wanted to double legal immigration, the, um, which is why you saw Rand Paul and Ted Cruz jump all over hmm. him last, right, <laughs> last right. night. Um, but I, I think what, you've got to give it some time because you want you know, the 2.5 million to leave on their yeah. own. You want E-Verify to be effective and give it a couple of years to see um, who, who, will not, who will leave on their own volition when they don't have you know, a job or aren't able to shift jobs. And we start enforcing um, the border, and the numbers go down. I do, I do think that there is certainly a section, a sector of people who deserve an amnesty. You know, they've been here a long time. This is their culture. This is their. There's definitely a group of people, but what it's not is a group of 11 million. Right. Yeah. So, so I guess part of that is you gotta, you gotta let some make make some laws, make some rules, tighten the border, let the numbers kind of shrink by atrophy, I guess, and then evaluate the remaining. Yeah. You don't want to incentivize amnesty because then, you know, then what's happening. And you know what else happening? you don't do is you, you don't add, 
you know, um, tens of thousands of refugees when you don't have to. Right. I think that is a huge national security risk. I'm so glad it started getting some publicity because you do need to vet people coming from these areas that have large, you know, ISIS and al-Qaeda networks. You definitely need to be vetting people from those areas. And there is no way to vet people coming from Syria. You can't go to Damascus and check on their records. You can't go back and interview um, people or, or employers they worked for. They're coming in without any identification, or they're coming in, there's so much forged um, identification coming in, and there's no way to check on it. You can't right. go back to Syria and do it. And I just think we did a study um, uh, two months ago um, looking at the cost of the refugees, and I think we did it. Well, the result of the study was that for the price of bringing one refugee over to America, we could take care of 12 refugees over in that region. So, so the idea the would safe zone and that, keep them know, there and and facilitate that and 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 figure out Syria. Spend the money in figuring out Syria so that we can we don't have to have a mass. You know, well, exodus. And, then, and you know what? There's there's multiple advantages to it. So they get to stay in an area where they speak the language. They get to stay in an area where they're familiar and comfortable in the culture. And when we bring refugees into the United States, people don't tend to know that they're here for life. Mm-hmm. We, you know, they they then have the benefit of being here for life. If you keep them over in that region, when things change, as we certainly hope they do in that area, they're there ready to go in and help rebuild their own country. Um, if you bring them over here, they don't want, you know, 10 years, three years from now, they're not going to want to leave. And you have a huge group of people who could have helped rebuild and right. make a difference who were, who were gone. In addition, I mean, the way Mark Kerkorian tells it, if, that it's really actually the more moral uh, policy, because if you had 12 people who were drowning um, in the sea, would you send a luxury yacht to select the one person who wins the lottery and gets to come <laughs> to America? Yeah. Or would you put out 12 life preservers? Because, you know, there's a definition for a refugee. I mean, you're supposed to be persecuted. Your life is in danger. And if that's the case, don't we want to save them all, as many as we possibly can? That's, you know, and I think that's it. I mean, But then, boy, to have any of these refugees miss out on American culture like the Kardashians and Justin Bieber. That seems like a serious, serious problem. Um, well, Marguerite, as, as uh, we wrap this up, um, I mean, it, it's like, it sounds like really we have the laws and a part of it is I guess we, we just need to get real. I mean, and I guess that's part of the problem is some of some people would sit there and think it's just not Christian. It's not American to keep rejecting immigration. But we've always done it. But we've always done it. We've always right. had borders. We've always had caps. We've always, we've always done it. This is a new thing. And we've, and we've always done it. We're doing it more than anyone else in the world. So it's oh, not like we're not being Christian and American. And, and if that's the case, then let's. Just, I mean, maybe it's just who we're letting in. Like instead of letting them, you know, come across every border and and sneak in on, you know, vi- vi- uh, visas. Um, maybe let's be more selective and we can choose to bring in some refugees that are struggling if we had a tighter border and, and more controls in other ways. You know, more than that, people don't tend to look at the impact. We think it's being so wonderful that we allow a person to come in here and have a um, higher quality, you know, materialistic life. But, you know, when they leave, 
that has an impact on the country that they left. Mm-hmm. Um, and true. there have been there have been um, articles recently by the governments down in I think, I think Guatemala and Costa Rica. Say it's having an impact. They're losing a large number of people from their population, um, and it's having an impact on them. And it, you know, it used to be you came here, got an education, went back, and helped rebuild and 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 help your country benefit from from your education. And to me, it's almost like that self-centered. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all about me, and it's not about, you know, bringing my country up. And that used to be what it was about, no, I think a that's, lot of it. I think that's a, that's a great point. Uh, Marguerite Telford, we appreciate you and your work there at the Center for Immigration Studies. Um, keep up the great work, and let's and keep educating us. We need more education and less, I think, just, uh, I don't know, rancor and name-calling and bombastic politics. Oh. Oh, well, I hope your listeners will go to um, CIS.org and read more of our studies. You bet. We will do it. Uh, again, Marguerite Telford, thank you very much. We're going to take a break, come back, and continue uh, this discussion, wrap it up for this first hour of the Matt Townsend Show, hopefully here to, to help you lead a healthier life, understand what's going on in the world instead of just uh, throwing out, you know, rhetoric. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, it's such an interesting uh, just point that the majority of people, the research shows, uh, they don't all just want to come to America. Those that even come to America also would leave. They want to go home. They're still connected to their culture. They're still connected to what's going on. Many of them just come here to have a, to meet a financial goal, and then they want to take that money back, and it creates a great opportunity and a head start for them in their own country. So what if we just live the laws we have? Just E-Verify. Just one idea. Let's just live one idea. We, we may not need a huge wall to be built. We can tighten the border for sure. Is the wall the best answer? Who knows? Um, but in the end, we have to tighten the border. That seems like a no-brainer. Somehow we've got to get that tightened down just for our own safety and security. And we might want to just simply enforce the basic laws. We don't have to hate people and turn them away. And we don't have to base it on religion and fear tactics. Um, but we can make America stronger. And if we're stronger, we could help more people. We could allow refugees in and, and be able to handle that load. So just keeping you informed, you know. It's just more information, to hopefully, to help you lead a healthier life. We're going to take a break. Come back. Hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. It's in the can. Next hour, we'll be talking with our tech guru, Jay McFarland, about uh, Christmas gifts that you might uh, want to watch out for. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. 
Are you recovering from the debate? How many people do you think watched? I dozens, dozens, dozens of dozens, hundreds of dozens. Because you keep asking if people are recovering. I wonder if how many people are like, wait, there was a debate? Hold on. People were debating? What happened? Yeah, I was busy. But I got home about 10 o'clock and then watched the debates for hours. It felt like for hours. See, I was grabbing a bunch of audio clips, trying to figure out what was said. You were loving it. And my son, who I was watching because my wife was off at a event, uh, was on the iPad when it started. He was just playing some games or something. And then, uh, what was it, about an hour and a half later, I look up, he's still playing some games. I'm like, all right. And my wife came home, and the door opened, and and she, wow, what did he say? He goes, Mom, look, I have the iPad. Now, my wife left. He had the iPad. She came home. He oh, had the iPad. Oh, boy. And so I hear this one. Did Someone, you let him have the iPad for two hours? Someone's a bad parent. I'm like, well, he was quiet, and I had work to do. It was great. Oh, man. You know what? That's how it starts. Yeah. iPad for two hours, prison for five to ten. But he was he was using educational applications. Yeah, that's he was tracing letters. Tell he that goes, to his parole officer. He kept going, Dad, look, an M. I'm like, Yeah, an M. Okay. Oh my heavens, your wife! Yeah. I don't know how she puts up with you. She was a little mad last night. Well, and then and then I play the. Do you think I would let him just play with the iPad oh, for yeah. two straight hours? Give me a little credit. Well, and she said, Yeah, I do. And she goes, Yeah, and I go, Well, he did. I'm Sorry. such a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tried to play off the educational apps. You know what you should have said? Me, well, so. So you should have said, well, I took it away and we started watching the debate. Well, and then I figured it's probably better that he plays a really bad video game on his iPad. He's playing Angry Birds. Yeah. Star, Star Wars Angry Birds. There's a Star Wars Angry Birds? Of course yeah. there is. There's a Star Wars everything. There's a couple versions of Star Wars Angry Did you Angry see Birds. that there's like Star Wars Coffee Mate? Yes. There... Soup, like chicken noodle soup. Oh, They're branded with Darth Vader and R2. It's like, Darth is dead. Why is he on the can? I've also seen Star Wars tangerines. There you go. What? Everything mm-hmm. is branded Star Wars. Tangerine. Wasn't that a planet on Star Wars? No, Tantu- Tantuine. Tantuine. Yeah. So yeah. close. I was close. I love Tantuines. <laughs> They're hard to peel. But I love them. Yes, the the that's the that's the the, the big thing today. Uh, I I think the embargo on Star Wars mm. movie reviews is lifted, so those reviews will start leaking out. And you'll start seeing them. So if you don't want to know, don't look. Okay, I don't want to know. Everyone's gonna love it. There'll be a couple people who try to be different and say yeah. it's bad. They're dorks. Don't worry about them. Don't listen to them. The movie's gonna be awesome. Don't listen to them. But the marketing will end at some point. Every show will not try to have some Star Wars tie-in so that they can be part of whatever. They're all. It's like it's just. I just feel like we're having it forced upon us. Five billion dollars they're expected to make off marketing. Yeah. Just for the movie. Just for the coffee mate. Uh, just for the soup. I, I was walking around the the big box store over the weekend. Yeah. And every corner, every item had Star Wars. I mean, on they it. haven't even. The, what if the movie is just a bomb? It won't be. It will be the bomb, not a bomb. It's going to be the bomb. It's going to be. It's awesome. going to be a bomb. Well, and even if it bombs, they're still going to make yeah, a already, bunch of money. They've off already of pre-sold it. tickets. It doesn't like, matter. They need to make five billion dollars, or this is a failure. No, they they spent five billion yeah. to get it. So if they make it back in the next couple movies, it's fine. Uh, but they sell. They they're constantly selling Star Wars. I items. know. I'm they sick they've of got it. toys for my kid. They got money for me. 
I wonder if they have one of those hoverboards. No. A Star Wars hoverboard. Well, it's probably branded that way. Yeah. yeah. They have to have one. And it flames out. <laughs> hey, uh, today, by the way, is, uh, I guess, the commemoration of the Boston Tea Party happened uh, on December 16th, 1773. So today's the day we celebrate the Boston Tea Party, which makes sense because Ted Cruz is doing incredibly well. He's a tea partier. Oh. Ish. I don't know if anyone identifies themselves as a tea party. Well, they don't anymore. anymore, but that's how the whole thing started, right? Yes, that's how the that's how that party started. So, Boston Tea Party was a political protest of the, by the Sons of Liberty in Boston, and they disguised themselves some as Native Americans, and they destroyed an entire shipment of tea. Now we call it the Tea Party, Boston Harbor. I just learned that on the Freedom Trail in Boston with a lady dressed in 1770s garb, talking with an accent. Does that work? No. Does it lose some uh, it legitimacy little... when they're yeah. playing a character like that? Yeah, totally. And because okay. she'd break in and out of character. Yeah, she wouldn't stay. Yeah. Y- you got to commit. And this one Method, was, go. This woman was kind of, she was sassy. Really? Yeah. She was a sassy of... colonial mm-hmm, woman? Mm-hmm. Did that? She huh. talk, She was Paul Revere's, one of Paul Revere's, or one of, I think, his second wife. Okay. I didn't know Paul Revere. So had. she was playing an actual person, mm-hmm. not just a caricature. Yeah, she tell us period. all about their life. Okay, that's interesting. Yep, too interesting. Hey, did you hear about this? Um, it's also by the Chocolate Covered Anything Day. Today's the day we celebrate anything covered in chocolate. What do you think would be bad covered in chocolate? Um, Donald Trump. Crickets. Crickets. I've heard that actually I've, makes I've had... the crickets palatable. Well, sure. You don't get grossed out as much as they crunch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think anything uh, radishes. See, fondue wouldn't be as popular as it is if that wasn't the case. That mm-hmm. everything with chocolate was better. Oh yeah, or cheese. Well, cheese, yeah. fruit, <laughs> pretzels. Hey, in a minute, we're talking with Jay McFarland about the greatest uh, Christmas gifts, tech gifts. What you should be like looking out for. What you need to make sure you ensure your house for <laughs> you know there's some check, things check your insurance policy before you purchase these items did you hear about uh one of those are just these drones it's one of the <laughs> hottest things you got to get a drone this guy a connecticut teen this guy is a problem child listen to this a young connecticut man has cooked up a flame-throwing drone that roasts turkeys the video is crazy but his latest foray into unmanned flight has drawn the attention of the law again austin hotwood uh, 19 made the headlines last year when a young woman attacked him for using his drone to film her. Uh, and earlier this year, he got into trouble when he modified a drone to fire a handgun. It seems like Austin's got too much time on his hands. The Clinton, uh, Connecticut man this week posted a YouTube video showing him using a drone equipped to shoot flames to roast a turkey in a wooded area of his family's backyard. Police say they were looking into the matter, but the man's father said that the aerial turkey roast was carried out safely. Ah, yeah, you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, he done cooked that turkey just fine. That's crazy. We didn't break any laws, the elder Hotwood said. Uh, Clinton Deputy Police Chief John Carbone agreed with that assessment on Wednesday, but added that the laws just haven't caught up with this kind of technology so apparently we need drone laws, yes. We also need laws that say you can't, you know, go spy on your neighbor. Yes. You also can't make a drone that can shoot a gun. You can't weaponize them. You can't yes. weaponize your drone. This guy made a paintball 
a drone that shot a paintball gun. Oh, wow. And they put that on YouTube, and then uh, some senator in D.C. starts trying to pass legislation that you can't weaponize drones. Yeah. And then someone, like, informed him that the federal government did, so he had to mm-hmm. put an amendment to that. And, yeah. Well, maybe if you're a government, you can. But, and but so this guy's – the video is interesting because they have a turkey, and it's on a pole. Uh-huh. And then the drone just sort of flies around and then launches this massive flame out there. Is The, the is, cops get all concerned because he's going to burn – it's in a forest-type area. Is a flamethrowing drone – Weaponized? Yes. Okay. So, or is it just, you know, are they going to the, just sell it at like, uh, you know, Bed Bath and Kitchen Beyond? I, that's the problem is someone's going to use it for improper purposes, right? Mommy, I want a flamethrower drone. <laughs> but yeah, it just torches this turkey. It's great. Was the turkey, the turkey was a dead turkey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like They're, a butterball. Yeah, it was like a butterball. They were just out there cooking I don't think turkey. that's how you cook a turkey. No, but they said it was really good. No, they didn't. No, well, you know, did they? they? I mean, like that. Would there, be there's horrible. an expanded story that talks about the uh, the safety they went through, making sure that uh, you know there was proper uh, fire extinguishers and those kind of things positioned around. So in case there was a problem, what do you do with your? This son's very creative. He is, but he's probably going to burn their house. But down. he's dangerous. Where's Tommy? He's in the backyard. Where <laughs> they have to run out? Oh, there it is. Yeah, there's a drone with a huge tank of fuel torching a turkey. Man, alive. Oh, and a wall. Man. They have a a rock wall kind of behind it. It's hard. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll have to ask Jay about that. Is that maybe that's one of the Christmas gifts this year you got to get your kids? A must buy. A flamethrowing. Flamethrowing drone. The problem with the drones is there's so many varieties you can purchase, all different price ranges. They're very difficult to, to learn how to fly initially. People use like my, bro- like my brother purchased one and he broke it because he just dropped it out of the sky because there's a button that says land. So you hit it and it just drops out of the sky. Yeah. Or you hit it and it'll just go straight up. People are losing drones and it's just – the FAA is seeing a, a problem yeah. with so many people getting flying devices. Yeah. So, no, yeah. Well, again, weapon if – you, if you don't weaponize your flying device, it's just kind of – But it, in itself, it's a weapon because yeah. they're like – some some can be you know well, under a pound or five pounds. And well, and they're spinning blades. That you, you People have harnesses, so they're hanging things from underneath mm. them. Amazon's trying to deliver packages. It's going to be a great Christmas. It's going to be awesome. So either your either your hoverboard's going to explode at your feet, or all of a sudden some guy will be shooting flames at you from a drone. I, I was at that gift emporium sort of expo over the weekend, yeah, and people wife. were flying those around inside the building. Really? Yeah. There's just drones. There's two or three drones flying around. Well, at least I, like, I mean, huh. they're, at least they're being creative. They could be doing worse things. They could be. I, I mean, eventually they will be <laughs> with the drone. Uh, let's get to the headlines. Terry South, find out what's going on in the rest of the world. Terry, what's up? Thanks, Matt. A group of at least 50 evangelical conservative leaders led by Family Research Council President Tony Perkins have reportedly pledged to collectively endorse Ted Cruz for the Republican presidential nomination. The National Review, Review reports Tuesday that Perkins and the group met earlier this month to decide on a candidate with the initial vote failing to give Cruz the required supermajority for a binding vote. But after some praying and revoting. Cruz backers siphon votes away from the Rubio crowd to achieve a supermajority. Members are expected to roll out their endorsements in the coming months. Ted Cruz at last night's debate continued his assault on political correctness. The problem is because of political correctness, the Obama administration, like a lot of folks here, 
want to search everyone's cell phones and emails and not focus on the bad guys, and political correctness is killing people. Thank you. His uh, political correctness comments are something that uh, these this group of evangelical leaders like. Sure. They like that sort of message, so that's yeah. something that's pro him. Republican presidential frontrunner Donald Trump again said he would not run as an independent candidate if he fails to secure the GOP nomination next year. During Tuesday night's debate, the real estate mogul said he would not break his pledge to the Republican National Committee to leave the party to make an independent run. He was, I really... I really am. I'll be honest. I really am. He said Trump has previously warned that he could revoke his promise if he felt he was treated unfairly by the Mm. party. U.S. Defense uh, Secretary Ash Carter arrived in Baghdad on Wednesday as as an announced visit to meet with Iraq's top officials about stepping up the battle against ISIS. Carter was expected to meet with Prime Minister Hader al-Badadi and his counterpart, Due to uh, that was postponed due to a, sna- a sandstorm, but it's unclear on whom he would actually meet with. The visit comes after Washington announced plans to spend to send special operation forces to Iraq to carry out raids against ISIS, both there and in Syria. A city councilman in Los Angeles says that the threat against the LA Unified School District that shut down the school on Tuesday or the schools on Tuesday was a hoax. And he wants to see the perpetrator brought to justice. It has cost millions of dollars, and it's outrageous. Paul Katorian, who represents part of the San Fernando Valley, told the LA Times. And someone needs to be held accountable and brought to justice for it. A similar threat was made in New York, and they uh, decided against shutting down schools, Mm. saying that there was... Uh, in it, there was some uh, specific words that were not spelled correctly if it was from a terrorist group, and so they felt like it was a hoax, so they decided not to shut down their schools. Um, well, especially around finals. I mean, well, this is, I mean, this is where it— This is a tough time, yes. It, and it's a hard decision. You don't want to make the, that decision— but in L.A. with San Bernardino so yeah, close— no, it makes sense. They made that decision. Uh, UPS— as Christmas is rolling up, they become very busy. They're renting out hundreds of U-Haul trucks across the country as it faces mounting pressure to deliver packages on time. The trucks are cost effect- a cost-effective way to expand our delivery feet, uh, fleet, a US- UPS spokesman says. He says it's common for UPS to rent additional trucks during the holidays. The UPS-driven U-Haul trucks have been spotted rolling through neighborhoods across the country, and in some cases they have caused some alarm. Edward Jones, who's an analyst uh, talking with a business insider, said that he was a little concerned when he saw a U-Haul truck park outside his house recently. He said he kept an eye on the driver as he emerged from the truck and pulled packages out of the back before realizing he was a UPS worker. In Louisville, Kentucky, some people started calling 911 after spotting U-Haul trucks near their homes. Residents say they were worried that criminals could be dressing as UPS drivers to fool them into opening their doors. Concern escalated when rumors circulated online claiming that terrorists were using UPS uniforms to deliver bombs. Hughes said customers can distinguish, the, the UPS spokesman said customers can distinguish UPS drivers by their brown uniforms and the electronic clipboards they carry. No one else has those clipboards. But you could make those. You could make something that looks like it. Yeah. So that's why that's not really a good thing. But, UP, but that is pretty freaky. UPS, all of a sudden they every show year, up in a truck. Um, they expand. They put all kinds of UPS and Ryder and whoever they can find with trucks. A really long mullet gets out of his U-Haul. But yeah, it's every, he's wearing a brown shirt. Every year they have to put out a notice saying these are our guys. Trust We're just us. using different trucks. They try to. At one point, I saw when I worked there, they tried to put metal like magnets. Yeah. Over the UPS oh, yeah. lo- or the, the U-Haul logos to make them look like more of a UPS truck. But this, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? They're, everyone's a little j- everyone's jittery now. Everyone's on edge. A lot of people are actually tricking these the thieves that come up and steal packages. Have you seen that? They're like filling up the boxes with doggy doo doo or whatever, or garbage they, or something. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> people steal them right off your doorstep. But I mean, I guess I guess you got a lot of time if you're trying to just play a trick on a thief. Yeah. Or you're really angry and you think that's this where is you need a flame throwing a flame throwing drone. drone. Yeah. Just send it out. Ha! <laughs> got <Gotcha>. you. <laughs> burn, baby, burn. Hey, uh, we've got a great uh, guest coming up. Our tech guru, Jay McFarland, will be joining us. And uh, he's going to be walking us through some of the latest and greatest tech gifts that you might be wanting to pay attention to. Also talk about some of the gifts that are getting some negative headlines, some of the drones that are out there. Uh, also, um, we're going to talk about some of those hoverboards that are exploding. Anyway, stick with us, folks. We're talking your Christmas gifts uh, with our tech guru in the What the Tech segment up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, we're excited to have uh, our great contributor, Jay McFarland, on the phone with us. Uh, This is the Renaissance man, I call him. He's our tech guru, and he's here for the What the Tech segment. Um, He's the author of two books, Freedom Ain't Free and Joyful Union. He's also the co-host of the the talk show, The Browsers, which you can find on KSL.com. He uh, has put together hundreds of apps and has a a website. If you go to jmcfarland.com, he'll teach you how to go create your own apps. It's good stuff. Jay, welcome to the show. How are you, brother? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Matt. How about you? Great. Are you ready for the holidays? No, not at all. (laughs) Good. So I feel feel good. I, I feel like I'm just like you then. Yeah, I I don't ever feel ready until like the day after, and then I'm like, well, I blew another one. Oh, and I'll just like I need to focus. Next year I'll do it right. That's so true. Hey, uh, tech. There's a lot of interesting stuff out there we can buy. I just did a search for the top tech gifts, and you know, there's a million lists, but half of them are just stupid. Well, yeah, they are, and uh, you know, some things always stay the same, and other things really change. This year, the two hottest tech gifts that people are asking for and that were predicted to just dominate the market are surrounded by controversy. Mm-hmm. People are wondering if if they're going to have the kind of sales they thought about, and that's hoverboards, and they don't really hover, by the way, right? And drones. Okay, are. are uh, Help me with these because the talk hoverboards. Uh, okay. Let's let's say I know somebody that has bought a hoverboard for one of their children. Let's say, yes. And let's say hypothetically that they were all excited to give this gift, and then they start finding out <laughs> that certain brands of of hoverboards are igniting on fire. They're exploding in a few places. There's been ten fires in I think like twelve states or something. Um. Should this person still give a hoverboard? So this is a quote friend of yeah. yours. Air quote, yep. Talking about. Uh-huh. Okay, all right. This is a hypothetical, uh, purely hypothetical. Can, is it possible for me to ask how much this 
friend paid for the hoverboard? Yes. Uh, he he got it from another friend that bought quite a few of them, this person okay. did, and he paid $300. And it happens okay. to be a really popular brand that apparently is the kind of brand that's catching on fire. <laughs> this, friend, uh, this friend may have been duped. Uh, yeah, you. this friend – sorry, I keep mis- – Miss say miss yeah uh, yeah it's a friend okay uh should be legitimately concerned uh, absolutely i'll tell this friend uh, okay so just just to be clear to everybody listening a hoverboard it, we're not talking back to the future no these things do not hover <laughs> off the ground they have wheels on them yeah and there are several brands and several styles these are basically self-balancing skateboards that uh either fit under your feet and there's a wheel to the right and the left of your feet. And as you lean forward, they move forward. And as you lean back, they move backwards. And there's some other skateboard type versions or whatever. And I have to tell you, uh, we've been trying one out at work and they are a blast. Mm. Um, But they are also quite dangerous. We tried them out the other day and we had about 16 people, and we're talking about journalists here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Riding around the KSL newsroom, yep. trying to figure out how to ride these things. And 16 people tried them, and 16 people hit the floor. Did they? So a lot because, of carpet burns. Oh, absolutely. wow. And you could hear these loud thuds through the newsroom. And we're, we're around cubicles, yeah. sharp corners and edges. Dangerous. Not our not our finest moment, Matt. It's I'm like Iraq. <laughs> it's like being embedded yeah. in Iraq. <laughs> yeah, it was not our finest moment. But so you get on them, and they don't feel natural. It probably took everyone two to five minutes to learn how to generally move around. Hmm. The biggest problem was the dismount. Because oh, yeah. when you go to get off the thing, you, you lean forward or backwards, and the thing will race out from under you. Oh. And – and so just from a purely safety perspective, they look so easy to ride. You need to have safety equipment on when you're riding yeah. these things and learning how to ride them. Do you think it's different Once if you're like a young kid that is agile and um, <laughs> skilled um, No, compared to you old folks around the newsroom? I don't. There okay. are injuries yeah. being reported from these things all over the place. Did yours again, explode? Did, did you have any explosions? No. Did it heat no, so up? Did it melt? Is, no. Wow. So the first issue is safety. Yeah. The second issue is that Target, Amazon, and many other retailers have flat out said, we're not selling them anymore because too many of them have burst into flames. Ugh. And we have, a, we have a developer right here in Utah that we're going to be talking to on our show today who says this is not happening to us. And this is a direct result of cheap parts from China mm-hmm. because these things are are expensive in the first place. I mean, the, when they first came out, they they cost like five ninety nine, and then you had a lot of other companies saying, "Well, we'll just use these other cheaper parts from China. We'll get the price right down around Three, I don't know, Matt. How's three hundred? Three hundred? How about two ninety nine? Yeah, yeah, uh. two ninety nine, one fifty. And what happens is the charging systems in these uh, hoverboards and the lithium-ion batteries, the same kind, uh, the same tech you're using in your cell phone and your laptop batteries, but they're using these cheap knockoffs, and that's where the problems problem is. 
And when I say burst into flames, if you've seen some of the videos, no, I haven't. It's dangerous. Oh, I gotta yeah, go look that up. You gotta search on YouTube and watch people who go into panic. Sometimes it happens in the stores. Sometimes it happens out on the street. Sometimes it happens right in your house, and they burst into flames. And people are trying to put the, these things out with water and other things, and the fire does not go out that easy mm. because it's being fed by the chemicals in these batteries. Right. So uh, what they what they're saying generally, <laughs> and I hate to break this oh, to your man. dear to friend, my friend, I'll tell him. Yeah. Yes. That if you paid anywhere around three hundred or less for your device, uh, you're you're probably in that knockoff, cheap knockoff zone. You've bought Unless you, your friend oh. just got a great bulk discount. Uh, but literally, Amazon sent out a notice to all of the people who had purchased these and said, uh, "We will give you a full refund okay. and uh, send it back." Because until this technology is proven to be safe, we're not going to sell it, and we're not going to stand by it. Uh, so it's like it's an IE, it's like an IED. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. Only, only you're riding. <laughs> yeah, only on you hover on it. Or you're putting your child on it. It's like now, a mobile IED. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> what is the deal? Ah. Darn it. I have to tell you, they are so fun. And the idea of never having to use my leg muscles and <laughs> I can just float everywhere yeah. like Wally, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, like everyone Wally. Looked at, yeah, everyone looked at those people, those rather large people in the movie Wally who were floating around on mm-hmm. these floating <laughs> Cheers. lazy boy recliners yeah. with the huge computer screens and they got free shakes all day. And they looked at that and they said how horrific that was. I saw heaven. Uh, to me, that was – and they looked very happy to me. And yeah. Hoverboard is the beginning of that. Man. I see, was like, don't get off the ship. You have to do work. <laughs> I thought I thought these hoverboards were just igniting on fire because the people that were riding them were just putting too much strain on the poor gear system. Uh, no, but it's exploding. It's explosive batteries. That's just Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this this is that's kind of ruined my friend's uh Christmas. Well, I I understand. But it could I'm be worse. If, if it I'm wondering burns the if house this down. friend actually actually bought it for like a a, a child yeah. or really bought it for themselves. Yeah, he did. And uh, she did. Uh, yeah. She yeah. did. Okay. She okay. bought it for the kid but she loves to go hovering. Um, well, I have to tell you, we, we, I was down in Las Vegas a few months ago, and these were all over the Strip. And uh, the, you understand the appeal when you see oh, yeah. how, how eventually when you're riding it, it becomes second nature. You don't even think about it. It turns when you want it. You just, it's like breathing. It really becomes an extension of you. So the tech, once it's refined and doesn't burst into flames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is going to be amazing. Once it's a hoverboard, not an IED, then it's going to be great. (laughs) It's a great, great, great idea. Okay, let's do this, Jay. Hang on. Let's take a break. Come back. I want to hear about the other uh, tech sensation that's, you know, that's being sold off the shelves um, because it's got other legal issues as well. We're speaking with Jay McFarland, our tech guru in the What the Tech segment, talking uh, Christmas gifts, folks. Uh, Apparently, hoverboards... Unless you're buying a really, really expensive one, it's, you know, it's kind of out right now. Or at least do your research. We'll take a break. Come back more with Jay after the break. Stick with us.
everybody. A really hip little Christmas tune for you, because nobody's more hip than Dr. Matt here. Joining us on the phone, another just hip tech guru, Jay McFarland, is joining us from the website jmcfarland.com. And uh, Jay really is the tech guru. He does everything from designs apps, and he'll teach you how to do it at his website. To uh, He also is helping us sort through our Christmas uh, gift woes. One of them might be a hoverboard, a.k.a. IED. They're very common in Iraq and other war zones. Crazy dangerous um, at the lower end of the market. But they'll fix it, and then all of a sudden they'll be the craze, and then none of us will have to work or walk again. Jay McFarland, welcome back to the show, brother. Thank you, sir. Good to have you, man. Hey, um, I'm still wearing my watch, my and I took my screen guard off of my watch. You did? Uh-huh. I thought I looked I'm like a geek, so I wanted to just yeah. be pure geek by wearing the watch. Well, I told you that that glass on that Apple Watch is is pretty tough. You're not going to have to worry about it with that extra geeky screen. Could screen it? Protected. Let me ask you this, uh, Smarty Pants. Could it take? Yeah. Could it take an explosion from a hoverboard? Uh, it depends on the dismount, <laughs> okay. like how you decide yeah. to do get you off. Do the dive forward and yeah. the tuck and roll. Yeah, yeah. Or it, do you do the fall backwards and yeah. try and brace your fall with okay. your elbows? You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally it really do. Depends. All right. Uh, well. But I'll tell you the. The Apple Watch has been discounted by a hundred bucks. Has at, it really? Uh, Best Buy. Yeah. Wow. So of course you bought early and paid too much. Yeah, right? actually, I, I got it for free, else. but I, I I'm actually loving it because it fits my life very well. Yeah, I really I really enjoy some of the features yeah. of the Apple Watch. And I gotta tell you, the other night I went to play basketball last night. I accidentally left my phone at home. But I wear my Apple Watch to keep track of my yeah. heart rate in case, you know, we case need emergency you, Right, in case you die. Someone and, needs to know what happened. And where I was playing, they had Wi-Fi, and I was still getting text messages. And I'm like, how am I still how? getting text messages? I forgot my phone. The Apple Watch must have hooked up to the Wi-Fi where I was at because I used Wi-Fi there. And I was still sending or receiving text messages from my wow. watch. I, was, I, was, I didn't even know it could do that. See, that's a Christmas away. gift right there. There you go. There you go. Plus, it'll help you, you go can... to play ward ball. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the other thing is you can uh, – you, if you go to Best Buy and other places now, you're starting to see all these uh, third-party manufacturers making all kinds of new uh, watch bands and bling for the Apple mm, Watch. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, th- that's that's starting to be cool new technology. But don't look past uh, the other smartwatches if you're thinking about it. Pebble has some great ones for about $150. And then a lot of the Android uh, watches are coming out, some with really cool round faces that actually look like, you know, more like traditional watches. I think those are going to be a fairly common gift this year as well. That's great. And they won't explode on your wrist. Yeah, see, that's good. And and, yeah, and, yeah. and that's, so that's one of the safer gifts we can have. Uh, the other gift, what's the other? You said there were two top gifts. Uh, hoverboard's one. What was the next one? Drones. Drones. Surrounded by controversy. Unmanned aerial vehicles. Mm. I love them. Systems. We talked oh, about one earlier. Did you see the one that can actually cook a turkey because it, it's a flamethrower? Oh, yeah, the flamethrower one. Yeah, they're, that, they're pretty amazing. Seems a little you dangerous. Know, drones... <laughs> we just have that common theme today. Yeah, we do. Uh, the, sa- the same guy who hooked a, a flamethrower up had hooked up a an automatic weapon oh. earlier in the year. So yeah. it's his mission to make these things, you know, kind of military grade. Right. 
but the FAA has come out. They were threatening to do this, Matt. They came out and they said as of December 21st, everybody has to register their unmanned aerial vehicles. Mm. What we used to call just a remote control yeah. helicopter right. or airplane. They're now drones. And we're talking about as small as half a pound. Wow. You have to register it. It ha- you, <laughs> you have to pay $5 and you have to register that bad boy with the government. And then it has a unique identifier and you have to carry that registration around with you like a driver's license or like a fishing license and prove that that thing is registered when you're out flying them around. Holy and God. a lot of people th- think this is crazy, but if you if you look at the statistics on how often drones end up in the uh, pathway of major airlines or on the lawn of the White House or crashing into stadiums with uh, thousands of people. Uh, these things have become a nuisance in many ways and a danger, and that's why the FAA is responding the way they are. So, so basically, you go to like the FAA website. Is that what you do? You fill out a registration, yeah. you pay five dollars, yeah. and then you print your your registration. Yes, and and the reason for this is they've had uh, a hard time tracking down the drone operator. So I'll give you an example where this has become a major problem. Either when helicopters are in the air in high-speed chases or crime scenes, people are launching drones to get an aerial view mm. of what's going on, and that's getting in the way of the helicopters. Or the, we've seen it here locally right here in Utah where they're fighting wildfires and people are launching drones because they want to get a close-up view of the fire. And what happens is they immediately shut down aerial operations when a drone is in the area. And that puts everybody in harm's way because now they're not fighting the fires. And so that's why they've decided to do this because if the drone crashes or they knock it down or whatever, they don't know where the operator of this drone is. And if it's at night, that makes it even more difficult. They want to find that person. And they want to they want to find them, and then they want to punish them. They want to find them or right. something, and they believe that if you had to register that drone, that that will make it easier to find you and well, punish you. Well, but they're not going to have like a tell number, right? I mean, <laughs> how are you going to how are you going to know that was Timmy's drone? That, well, I don't. That's the thing. It's your five year old. I don't. You know, your ten year old. I don't know. But it seems to me that because there's uh, the the only consequence comes if you've registered the drone and you're using it inappropriately. It doesn't come if you haven't registered, right? Because if they catch yeah, you can't the get drone me. and you haven't registered, they're not going to know whose drone it is. To me, this has to happen at the point of purchase, not voluntarily after you've exactly a- after you've you know you're home and you've unwrapped the thing. You know what they need to do? Um, but, Let me just give you the idea, and then you can go market it. Um, okay. They need to. They just need to give everybody that has a drone. They'll give you free tickets to the Star Wars movie if you register it. There you go. Then there everyone, you. everyone on Earth will do it. Yeah. See, I had. I like your idea is sensible. My idea was uh, a drone turret on the bottom <laughs> of these helicopters. That's a great or idea. Even, even the drone flamethrower, right? So yeah. 
you get your drone in our airspace, we're just taking it out. Did you hear what Tokyo's testing? A drone with a net that goes and catches the other drones. It's a drone (laughs) catcher. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a dream catcher, but it's a drone catcher. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and at the security conference they just had in Las Vegas, there is a company who has marketed, uh, it looks like a, it kind of looks like a giant handheld uh, satellite dish, and you can shoot it at the drone, and it scrambles the oh, radio signal. Oh, yeah. And so the drone just falls out of the sky. The problem is some yeah. of these drones are rather big. Yeah. So you got a 100-pound drone so, falling. Hmm. Dangerous. Yeah, that that can be a problem. So that's why I think my idea of no, I like that. laser, yeah. I want it to explode in the sky. I want a little drama. I want somebody to look up and see their drone first in the <laughs> I and think then that, they can know this is good this is just the beginning isn't it because now <laughs> this used to be a little remote control little rc helicopter christmas yeah. present for timmy and now it's you're going to have to go register with the faa well and i have to tell you that the technology is so amazing that you know before if you've ever had these remote controlled helicopters or planes they're difficult to learn how to fly right now now they have these algorithms and and things built into them where you can press a button and it will launch and hover on its own. You you don't have to be in constant control because it has all these sensors and everything. And yeah. We we at the Consumer Electronics Show last year, Matt, we we watched a drone where you put a bracelet on your wrist and you set the altitude and that drone will follow you and keep you in the in the frame of the camera Holy cow. for as long as you want. So if you're – like we watched a guy on a skateboard ramp, and that drone just – so nobody's controlling this. Yeah, it's completely yeah. autonomous. That thing would raise above the ground, and it would just sit there and hover and, and move back and forth with the skateboarder. Or you could be on a ski run, and this thing would be you know 30 <laughs> feet uh, in the air. Yeah. You need a GoPro – you just have this drone, completely autonomous. It's like and a puppy. To, yeah. Oh, yeah. Except and it's it got blades on it. On, <laughs> yeah. It will land on your hand. That's amazing. Or it will land where it took off. Yeah. Or it can land at another uh, a predefined location. And like, if so, it loses connection, right, doesn't it do this? So if it loses connection, the drone, like if it goes too high in altitude, the drone will will notice that, and then it will come back and do the exact path back to yes. its original starting point. Yes, that's exactly and you right. Get your, and so that, then it just lands back in your hand anyway. It's amazing. That's exactly right. The, the tech is absolutely incredible, and that's why you have such a push. And we're talking about drones that will do this for hundreds of dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not, you know, you're not spending $10,000 to get that tech. And that's why kids and adults alike want these things. Because everyone that wants to record the ridiculous things that they're doing sure. and put them on YouTube and and get likes and and so shares. Let me, that's let me ask you this, about. Jay. Um, yeah. So this friend of mine who had the explosive IED hoverboard. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's let's say he decided to give that back and take that back because it was too dangerous yeah. for his family. Um, Although I don't know if they have a return policy at that guy's trunk in the Target parking lot, <laughs> but you know that's so true. I should have had my friend get his license plate number. Yeah, and he said Darn it! From a van in, in the <laughs> down by the house. river. Yeah, um, exactly. But so maybe maybe this guy should go get a drone. 
I, you know what? I love the tech. They're so fun. It's really cool. Just know you're going to have to register with, with the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, they're so fun to fly around now because so easy. And the other thing is they last a lot longer because I remember, you know, several, it was probably, probably seven Christmases ago, we got one, a couple of these little helicopters for my son. Yeah. And they were destroyed within two <laughs> hours from flying into walls. And, yeah. You know, um, it was two hours of fun and done. And then, well, drones. yeah. Then you had to spackle the walls and sand. <laughs> <laughs> Days yeah, worth of reconstruction. That's interesting. Oh, Jay, you good can stuff. Fill them with your phone. <laughs> I know that's what's cool too. Now you can just use an app. This is yeah. fun. Well, it's going to be a good yeah. Christmas either way. And you know, I appreciate the update because we don't want anyone to die or be arrested no. this Christmas. No. Nothing. That's true. Nothing. You know. Nothing is worse than having some, your dad arrested on Christmas. Well, I, I will tell you, Matt, it will be interesting to see how many people are are deciding not to buy drones because they don't like Big Brother government mm-hmm. and they don't want to become part of some national drone registry. Right. Uh, because you do see, I mean, I, if you take this to, the, I think, where the logical conclusion, if there's an incident with a drone in a particular area, are they going to pull up the database of all the yeah. drone operators? Oh, yeah. They're coming and, to your house. And then, yeah, and then you get the knock at the door, and you're like, no, my, me and my drone, we're just sitting here in the house. My drone's know? been resting all night. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> what do you say? That's it, tough. It's, it's going to be an interesting problem. No, that's true. As this type of tech rolls forward. Well, Jay, we appreciate you, brother. Good insight. And uh, everybody, go to his website, jmcfarland.com. Um, have you created any new apps? I have created about eight. I just haven't updated the uh, the website. You That's need to what slow down. At. Slow down. I get I get bored, man. What's the hurry? You know? What's the hurry? I, I, I get bored. Okay, well, yeah. keep it up. Keep up the great work. I Jay, appreciate it. You're the best. Jay McFarland, jmcfarland.com. And uh, go, also go check out his books there, Freedom Ain't Free and Joyful Union. Uh, he's just he's doing it all. Jay McFarland, we'll uh, take a break. Come back. Wrap up the second hour of the show. Interesting stuff, folks. Christmas. It's gonna get it's gonna get heated, it sounds like, with some of these gifts. Either legally or, you know, fire. <laughs> Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Oh, the uh, the website, by the way, is called knowbeforeyoufly.org. Knowbeforeyoufly.org. That's where you got to go to get uh, you know the information you need from the FAA and know how to you know legally operate your drone. Gives you all the guidance points you need as lo- as well as where you can you know make it legal, legit. Then they can come find you. Were you flying your drone in the neighborhood the other night? Hey, um, when you think about it, uh, remember, Christmas, these gifts, they're just gifts, right? But, man, I'm thinking just some of these could be really fun family gifts, activities, things that you can do as a family. So make sure you're also you know, trying to not just buy the gift. We talked about this yesterday on the show Really, our goal also ought to be we ought to be making sure we are um, we are 
taking care of the earth, right? We talked about that, making sure that we are also finding time and ways to to connect. So if it's not the hoverboard with your kids that you can go out and play with the hoverboard, continue to look for activities, things you could do as a family so that uh, you don't you don't just buy your kids a gift that you never get to talk to or experience them again. I don't know if you heard this. There's a sewer plant um, that is helping create a winter wonderland for a three-square-mile area in central Pennsylvania. The National Weather Service in State College says a layer of dense fog mixed with condensation from a local sewer plant overnight Monday, creating a dusting of light snow in a small section east of State College. That doesn't sound like the kind of snow you want to have falling in your neighborhood. The snow fell over roughly three square miles uh, near the Nittany Mall. The Weather Service calls the process a micro-scale event, too isolated to be captured by local weather stations. The dusting was a rare, if brief, winterscape for region in the midst of the unseasonably warm, snowless fall. And it uh, the condensation from the sewer plant is – we get that in Utah because we have the Great Salt Lake and then there's condensation. And they just call it lake effect and it just kind of keeps snowing right near a lake. But that's like snowing right near a sewage plant. Yeah, that's a little different than from a lake I feel like. Yeah. No, it seems a little different. A, li- a, a little different. Mom, can we can we go play in the snow? Absolutely not. <laughs> If I see you touch the snow, you are grounded. I will scrub you in a chemical bath. Do not touch the snow, Timmy. Don't make me get mad at you. Crazy. Anyway, uh, that's hour number two of the show. We'll take a break. Come back next hour, giving you more tools, more ideas to live longer, love stronger. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach. Your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, hour number three of the show. Now, if you missed the first two hours, man, you missed a lot. We, You missed our review of the debate, which was, I, I think it was deep. It was uh, insightful, it was insightful, profound uh, insight. Your prediction on who's going to win? My, I gave you my prediction. Um, this is just, let me just give you a little taste of it. You used that quite a bit. For do you remember Beaker? Yes, I've watched the Muppets. He was my favorite Muppet. The current Muppets programs (laughs) that they're showing now on ABC. I watched it there, and he's on there. Because that's where I learned that it doesn't matter what you say; it just matters how you say it. Right. Because everyone understood him. Well, not everyone. Yeah. It's. It's like Groot. It's like Groot. On Guardians of the yeah, Galaxy, Groot he says, "I am Groot," and everyone, and Rocket Raccoon's like, "Oh yeah, I understand what you're saying." Everyone else is like, "What's oh, he saying?" <laughs> yeah, it's uh, man. So you saw the you saw the deal. You saw the debate. Yeah. Just in one word, I'd like you to summarize in one word 
what you call what you would how you see that debate. I'm throwing this curveball at you. Yeah. One word. Um, inconsequential. Ooh, it's a big word. It's a big word. I think I agree. Usually, these debates have like the last debate. Carly Fiorina was was she came out of the the one at the Reagan Library. Mm-hmm. Came out of there. It was like she's the she's the front runner. Phenomenal. She won the debate. It was great. Right. And, and nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Beep. Nothing. There's nothing to it. Yeah, and it, again, you and I have concluded, or at least I've concluded, and you kind of agreed, that Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, they have a secret alliance. It seems. It seems it, that they have a secret alliance. If you have that knowledge and then watch their performance, it would make sense. Yeah, because they're just so chummy. Yeah. Nobody's going to jump on. I thought more people would jump on Trump's back, and Jeb jumped on, and he's kind of like, hey, fellas, help. Help me here. And he, I think he did pretty. He did a good job. I mean, playing with Trump's dangerous. There were nine people up there on the stage. Okay, nine podiums. Yeah, four people need to go. Yeah, just make the chop, get him out. Man, you are tough. And I, then four from the earlier debate. They almost need to build in a uh, a make or break deadline. Yeah, and just just they, get rid of the. I mean, it, they they just need some. They need. They're they, not adding yeah. to the discussion. You don't hear from them. It's like, is Carly Fiorina still running? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And then no, no, nobody tries to go talk with her because she's not right. leading the polls or saying anything interesting. They, they, they do. I, they they need some type of like strength activity where they, you know, okay. feats of strength have a right competition. Now, uh, the next part of the debate, we're going to have everybody run two laps around the building. They could have like the Festivus type. The first six back stay. competitions. Yeah, It'd be great. And that'd be great. It just doesn't seem like it'd be fair to everybody. I mean, some people might have a harder time. Trump uh, did comment that it's time that we might need to close parts of the internet down. He's open to that. Yes. I came in like a wow. <laughs> There goes the internet. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Trump's decided that I, apparently the United States owns the internet. We done invented it. Or at least we have some. No, we. I don't know. You can see that he. it's like he doesn't quite understand, or at least the way he's describing what he wants done doesn't really mesh with how the internet works. Yeah. And so. He'd have a manager and some smart people to deal with that, he says. That was his answer is you, you got to get the smart people. But those smart people won't shut down the internet because right. they want the free and open internet. They value that. That's how their businesses right. run. Well, and I, there's not – correct me. I'm not one of the smart people, but it just doesn't seem like there's just a switch. Like the, the president – you know, there's that red button the president yeah. hits that's just yeah. the internet switch. <laughs> Someone proposed at one point <laughs> that the president should have a button. Uh, an internet button. Yeah. And he should just be able to just go, nope, shutting her down. And then he can come in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> well, it was an interesting debate. Uh, you know what? Honestly, glad it's over. Because that was the last debate this year. For the Republicans. For yes. the Republicans. The Democrats are putting theirs in a very prime time position on Saturday night. So as you're not and, paying attention to anything, you can possibly stop and watch. So let me get this straight. Hillary and Bernie. Uh, the last and debate Martin. for the Republicans, and yeah. there's only one more debate for the Democrats, and then this is all over? No, no, no. Debate-wise. For, for this year, yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Really there's good. probably three or four more 
in the next few months. No, really? Maybe. I haven't looked at the schedule, but you know, I wouldn't put it past them. For, for the Republicans, there's probably three. For the Democrats, there may be one. I don't know. And it's on a Saturday again. Because <sighs> okay. Saturdays are really open. They're convenient for people to watch TV. Yeah. Even though nobody does. There was a slight jab about that Donald gets all of his information from the shows. That's what he says. And he watches he the shows. Know, he doesn't know... Jeb said he doesn't know if it's the, you know, like the night shows or if it's the Saturday shows. Right. Like the cartoons, I guess. Yeah. Well, which is funny because there are no Saturday cartoons anymore. But thanks, Jeb. Thanks for playing. See, you're such a liberal. You just <sighs> ruined I didn't. Joke. Did you see the closing, arg- the closing uh, statements they made? They each had like 30 seconds the, to close. I didn't close. see that. I didn't see it. Someone, I heard someone describing the way Jeb delivered his was kind of like halfway through he got lost and then he decided to get out early because he didn't want to cause any more damage than but, 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 That's had. all, folks. I'm <laughs> out of here. <laughs> I'm like, wow, really? Bye-bye. Oh, it's those, hard. Those are prepared statements. Yeah. You're supposed to script those out. Yeah. Oh, well. It's always the closing's a really important thing. What's the last thing people are going to remember if they've made it all the way to the end of the yeah. two hours? You got to nail the closing. Hmm. Well, what do you do? What do you do? Well, uh, we got a great show coming up in just a few minutes. We'll have Hadge, Heather Ann Johnson. She's going to be talking about uh, the holidays and your families, how to how to not lose your family during the holidays. Give him an iPad and say, we'll see you in a couple hours. Which was bad parenting. It wasn't bad it parenting. It was, and your wife totally agree with your wife. I you, was offended that she walked in the door and accused me of letting my four-year-old use the iPad for two straight hours. Did you let your child use the iPad for two straight hours? I did, but she didn't ask. She just accused me. That's offensive. Was was your son watching Sons of Anarchy for two no. hours? He was playing educational games, and, and, and there's a panda that, that delivers the mail in the snow. See, for all you know, that's what he was doing. I was watching him. He you, was right there. Well, but he may He, he may kept have... going, Dad, look. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cutting up Donald Trump. Don't interrupt Daddy. <laughs> I'm listening to Donald. Yeah. That's just bad parenting. She was exasperated. We'll ask I, Heather. If that's I have parenting. to work. I'm, I'm working here. <laughs> Would you be quiet? <laughs> Oh, that's bad parenting. So I'm totally with your wife on that. Um, But uh, so we'll get to Heather in a minute. Then we're going to go visit our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation and then wrap up the show. But before we do that, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Find out what's going on around the world. Terry. Thanks, Matt. Late Tuesday, House Speaker Paul Ryan told his caucus that congressional leaders have reached an agreement on a $1.15 trillion package to fund the federal government in fiscal 2016. So if this deal goes through, then there's no more talk of budgeting until next October. Yay! The House is expected to vote on legislation and a prepared tax, uh, a paired tax bill on Thursday. The Senate could clear the combined bills on Friday, avoiding a government shutdown and allowing lawmakers to go home for Christmas. Yay! Which is the whole point. Democrats are looking over the deal and haven't said if they'll support it or not, but Ryan sounded confident that the package will pass. This just to give you an idea of what they're going to do over the next few days. Legislators will have about two days to read 2,000 pages of a trillion-dollar spending bill just so they can get home for Christmas. Okay, so nothing's going to happen. No one's going to read it. They will all pass it, and they'll all go home for Christmas. Nobody knows what's in it. Hmm. The jurors deliberating the case of the Baltimore police officer charged with the death of Freddie Gray said Tuesday that they are unable to reach a consensus. Baltimore City Circuit George, uh, Judge 
Barry Williams ordered them to keep deliberating. Officer William Porter, 26, charged with involuntary manslaughter, second-degree assault, reckless endangerment, and misconduct in the death of Gray, a 25-year-old black man. Gray died last April of a broken neck while being transported in a police van. His death sparked large protest around the police brutality in the city. And the city is bracing for a verdict and whatever the response may be. In a new ABC Washington Post poll, as many as 53% of Americans surveyed said they oppose an assault weapons ban. The the highest opposition ever recorded, only 45% of those surveyed supported a ban. The pollster contacted 1,000 Americans through a landline and cell phone surveys on December 13th. The poll also reflected decreasing confidence in the government's ability to prevent a terror attack. So the government can't take care of the terror, and let's not ban assault weapons. And this came after San Bernardino when they wow. took the, the poll. So that's the, 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 the feeling of America, the, right. the thoughts of America there. In nearly two and a half hours that the Republican presidential candidates were on stage Tuesday night, Ohio Governor John Kasich and former Hewlett-Packard CEO Carly Fiorina weren't even mentioned once by the other candidates. Mm. This according to Vox.com. In contrast, Florida Senator Marco Rubio and Donald Trump were the talk of the night, being brought up by other candidates a total of nine times each. The tally of mentions indicates a particularly brutal slide for Fiorina, who just four months ago was declared by many to have won the debate at the Ronald Reagan Library. However, in Vegas, she only managed to speak for nine minutes, 45 seconds. Kasich felt even shorter, only eight minutes and 58 seconds of Mm. speaking time. Ben Carson was the only other candidate who was largely ignored by his colleagues, only getting one mention by Jeb Bush. Wow. That's got to be frustrating. They were, not, the, they were on the fringes. The fringe, the outside. So, yeah, you're not even being mentioned. It's Hello, hey, I'm over here. I'm really trying. <laughs> an expert labor market, an expanding labor market, and the cheapest gas we've seen since 2009 have led to a record-setting number, the AAA Travel Group notes, 100.5 million people or about one-third of the U.S. population will be traveling over the holidays USA Today reports that number, which represents folks who plan on venturing at least 50 miles from home between December 23rd and January 3rd, denotes the seventh consecutive year of an increase since 2008's low of 85 million people who Hmm. travel during the holidays. Of those 100 million people, the first time that milestone number has been reached per uh, AAA, about 91% of travelers will be driving, so 91% on the roads. 5.7 will fly, and the remainder will hop on a cruise, bus, train, or other bike, skateboard, hoverboard, drone, 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 who knows. Uh, Rising incomes, low gas prices are helping to fill the stockings this year, and more people than ever will choose to spend those savings on travel. Mm, I just filled my car up. Amazing. I could go around the world twice on one fill-up. I don't know. By my house, it just jumped 10 cents for some reason. Did it? I keep reading how gas is falling. The uh, rush is getting ready for $30 yeah. a barrel, and it's going to ruin their economy. And on my corner, it goes up by 10 cents for yeah. no reason. You're, you're shopping. At the, you got to go around the corner to another place. Offensive. Ah. Goes from like Communism. One, 185 to like almost 295 this morning. I'm like, what's really? going on? Yeah. Wow. I'm like, it's under two, and they, they're pushing it back up to two. It's because it's the holidays. Yeah. Let's gouge them when we can. That's it. Interesting stuff. Good job, Terry. Sorry about your gas prices. Hey, we are going to uh, take a break. When we come back, Heather Ann Johnson will be with us. We're talking families and the holidays, folks. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the studio with us is Heather Ann Johnson, a.k.a. Hadge. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. You might remember that from the 50s and 60s. It's the Palmolive. Is that what it was? Palmolive commercial, soap commercial, and Madge would have people soaking in it. Well, we have Heather here, Heather Ann Johnson, and she's a professor here at Brigham Young University, teaches uh, basically family... What do you call it? Family wreck. Family. We we talk about the theories, the principles behind successful families. That's all. I mean, that's it. There you go. And you're good at it. Well, thanks. You can go to her website, familyvolley.com. And uh, also you can check out her self-published book there, Family Fun Fridays. Soon to be releasing Family Fun Saturdays, Sundays, not Mondays. A lot of Mondays aren't very fun, but Tuesday through Thursday. <laughs> you're not allowed to have fun on Mondays. No. It's like a day off from fun. It's a t- a little day off. It is. So, uh, Heather, um, here's one of the dilemmas. And we talked about it last hour with um, Jay McFarland about some of the gifts we buy our kids. Right. Kids have big expectations. They do. Really big. And they – like I don't know if I told you, but our elf on the shelf was on strike. Did I tell you this? Right. But he, we found him. He's back. Oh, OK. Oh, he actually found us. Right. We laid ours off, remember? That's right. You yeah. laid yours off. Yeah. It's a bad year for elves. Yeah, it is. <laughs> And, um, it's too bad. They it work is, so hard. It's sad. And they're so small. They are. And they commute. I mean, their commute oh, is just... It's enormous. It is, it is enormous. It's really not even that big of a commute, but they're so small. It just feels it big. It takes a long time. But I guess uh, one of the things that I found is my kids think that the elf, you know, is keeping score, making sure they're really great. But they, my kids think they, they kind of should get anything they want for Christmas. Right. So you're here to help us manage expectation with our children. We are. We're going to talk about it. And that's really interesting as kind of you bring up this elf idea. We are so quick to look at our kids. You know, you wake up Christmas morning and as parents, sometimes you have that feeling that they're a little ungrateful. Yeah, yeah. And you're thinking, but look what look what we've done here. I mean, look Do at you these, know? I know. We mortgaged the house for this. Right. What is going on? You know, we we did all this for you and we feel like they're ungrateful, but we do this a lot and cause it ourselves as parents. So I know that's a lot to digest, but I want to start there with this idea that it's kind of like 99% our own fault. You're blaming me. Yes, we're blaming ourselves. It's true. So even that example, you know, think about it. We have this elf, we put it in our homes, (laughs) and we tell our kids, right, that if they're good, Santa will bring them whatever's on their list. Yeah. Right? Right. We take them to the mall and they sit on Santa's lap and we say, tell Santa what you want for Christmas. And Santa says, okay, whatever you say, anything you say, here it comes. Right. We give them stockings and we hang them up and we tell them that if they go to bed on time, they'll wake up and those stockings will be full of things that they want. Right? That's right there. There's the, there's the trifecta. Right. You get rid of those three things. Well, and even the list, you know, we have them sit down at the beginning of the season and say, write out your Christmas list for me and give it to me. And they write down all these things. And then we, we pretty much give them the impression yeah. that what? It's going to be they're going to get those well, things. Well, you taught us that. Don't, don't make a list. Right. And so we, we get into a lot of trouble ourselves. In fact, it was so funny. My husband was talking to his nephew just a week or so ago, and they have an elf on the shelf. And he sat down with him and he said, you know, Uncle Billy, you tell that elf what you want and he'll bring you anything. <laughs> and my husband said, anything? And he goes, yeah, Uncle Billy, what do you want? And he said, well, I want a Ferrari. And he said, Santa will totally make you a Ferrari. Just go tell that elf. Wow. And there's this expectation yeah. that it's all going to come. And, you know, here's a, a little boy. He actually wasn't as little as you might think. He's who, 21. Exactly. He's, you know, headed off to his sophomore <laughs> year of college next year. And he really believes 
and has these expectations that whatever he wants is going to be delivered. And that comes from us. Oh, we yeah. do that. We do totally. that. Or we put these TV commercials in front of them where, again, it's you can have this. And we say, oh, you want it? Go put it on that magic list. That's right. Magically. So we have to stop that. That's We've got true. to quit doing that. We have to understand that unrealistic expectations lead to entitlement. And really, truly, the only thing our children are entitled to is our unconditional love. Right. And, and safety. Right. Those all fall. Non-explosive hoverboards. Right. Those, <laughs> those all fall under unconditional yeah, love. Yeah, that's right? right. If you love them, they should be they, there safe. You won't give them a toy that's going to blow up. Right. right? You're going to give them your time. You're going to keep peace in your home. That all falls under loving them unconditionally. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to recognize first and foremost that entitlement or, you know, these unrealistic expectations really – the number one thing they are entitled to is that love. And other than that, we've got some work to do as parents because we set our poor kids up. Yeah. And then on Christmas, we get all over them because now they're being ungrateful. And then everyone it's sometimes it's a downer because if you miss <laughs> one of their list items, right. it's just bad. It is. Well, and in their mind, they're thinking, wait. You're the one who told me to write the list. You the, you lied to me. That's exactly right. And so did Santa. And I mean, now it's all yeah. a wash, right? Yeah. So let's talk about some things we can do to help with this. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to communicate long before it becomes emotional. Anytime, whether it's in a family setting or a marriage, as soon as emotions come into play, it's a whole new ballgame. Right. And Christmas morning is a very emotional time. And so if we want to use this list idea because it's kind of built into Christmas – we're going to handle things a little bit differently, and we'll use Christmas as an example. So let's say we had them write out a list. Let's say we said or even just said, hey, tell me the things you'd like for Christmas, right? We're going to put them in front of us, and the next step we're going to take is we're going to sit down with our kids, and we're going to, going to explain to them which of those things are realistic and which are not. Hmm. We're going to have, heaven forbid, yeah. a conversation with our kids and a communicate. One. Yeah. one of the main problems we have as parents is that we under-communicate with our children. We don't tell them enough. They're trying to learn and figure out. And have you ever seen that once you start communicating, all of a sudden they look at you and go, oh, well, okay. Yeah, sure. Because now I understand. Right. And so we're going to sit down with that list and we're going to say, you know what? Because of our budget, you know, that $5,000 laser printer that you think would be cool to experiment with, it, it's not going to happen. not happening, right? son. Or because we are going on vacation this summer with your you know, grandma and grandpa, we're not going to be able to consider these things. But these other things, they would be great things to think about for Christmas. That's great. The longer we keep the printer or you know, the PlayStation or whatever it might be that they want, the new pony, yeah. <laughs> on the list, the more likely they are to be really disappointed because they hold on to that expectation longer. We, is it just we don't want that conversation? That's the hard co- – we don't want to crush their dreams that they can't have a pony. Right. Well, and as parents, you know, we're thinking we naturally want to give our kids everything. But a lot of it too is just simply our unwillingness to recognize that they are a lot smarter yeah. and a lot more willing to understand than we give them credit for. Right. So have that conversation. Then all of a sudden the, real, the expectations aren't unrealistic because we've set forth – What's going to work and what isn't? Now, you can take it a step further, and maybe there's something on there that's a little bigger that we can do for them. So, for example, our daughter this year, she has been asking for an iPod for pretty much an entire year, all year long. Wow. It's it's all she wants. Yeah. And so we had the conversation with her a few weeks ago and said – if you got this iPod, you would have to understand there wouldn't be other gifts. It would just just be that. Would you be okay with that? And she looked at us, and she – honestly thought you could see everything working and Mm -hmm. her eyes go big and small and trying to figure it out. And she said, yes, if that's all I got with nothing else, 
I would be, I'd be really happy. That would be really fun. And so we knew after that conversation, one, we knew the degree that she really was hoping for it. Yeah, this was serious for her. And she had very clear expectations that it wasn't going to be 15 different packages to open. Mm -hmm. But if you want that, it will just be one. How old is she? She's seven. Because that's the deal. Like when they get older, you end up giving like one hoverboard and fire insurance. And the next thing you know, (laughs) that's all you're getting. It's exactly right. And naturally, their gifts are going to get more expensive. and, And that just happens. And so when we have these honest conversations when we communicate the reason we're doing it is to make the expectations realistic and so now they're not feeling entitled they're not saying where are the rest of my gifts they're saying wait i agreed to this mm-hmm. we we you know verbally shook on this about three weeks and ago you, you can do that and not ruin the surprise but have clarity have, right that's, i think it's powerful let's take a break hadge we got to come back and continue figuring out what else we can do when it comes to managing expectations Especially at Christmas, man. This is such an important time. The, the better the management of expectation, the better the joy will be on that day because then there's not any unanticipated consequences. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. More with Heather Johnson from FamilyVolley.com. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio, Heather Ann Johnson, a.k.a. Hadge. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. She's uh, walking us through how to manage expectations with your children during this holiday season. Uh, she's already given us some great ideas. You first, got to have the conversation. Recognize you're the parent. You're the one that is responsible to set the expectation. And then have the the conversation and sometimes be able to say no. You just got to say no. We do. Yep. Is it bad that I, like as a joke, tell kids to ask their parents for a pony? (laughs) Is that bad? No, it's not bad. Okay, good. Because that. We all need some humor, some joke, right? Except even if the kid doesn't understand it. (laughs) Mommy, Dad said I could have it. That's horrible. So uh, what else do we need to do to manage expectations? Well, that's the next thing. We have to be honest enough with our children and with ourselves to say no. Yes, say no. We do. It's not happening. Giving them everything. And again, it's a natural tendency. On top of that, we do have a tendency as parents, too, to think, man, when I was a kid, I really wanted this. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure my kids have it because I couldn't. Right. Totally detrimental to all sorts of relationships in your home, outside your home, yeah. futurally. That's not what we're trying to do. So and they don't need a lecture. Sure. Like, well, you can't have everything. No. It's just that's it's not going no. to happen. Right. We want to also make sure very clearly that we're saying no. You know, when kids throw a fit for something, don't don't give in. That, yeah, that no. is the last time you want to say, okay, fine. We're in the middle of Target. I don't want to be embarrassed. You can have it. That's actually when we step up our game and yeah. we say, I'm going to abandon that full cart and I'm going to take you right out to the car. And the answer is still no. Right. Mm. So we have to be really clear. The honesty comes in in a need to be honest with ourselves and our own value system and also with our children. We're really not being honest with them when we actually lay in front of them everything. That's not real life. Right. And so they'll grow up and go, wait a second. When I was a kid, I got everything I wanted. How come right now I'm not getting everything I want? And so, again, honesty comes into play with our relationship with them. And then we have to look at our own value system and decide if we are being honest with what and who we are. When we give in to everything, we're not being honest with who we are. And as a result, we have that conflict, right? Whenever we go against our own values, 
You're going to pay. Con- we are. We're right. going to pay for it. It's exactly right. So we want to make sure we don't do that. This next point is one of my favorites because it is so powerful every day of the year. Forget Christmas. We need it always. And that is the need to anticipate what's going to happen with our children. Now, what we mean by this is first, as parents, we need to honestly be about two, maybe three years ahead of our kids. Oh, good luck. Right. In our thought process. But the great thing is we've been there. Yeah. And so anticipating is referring to the need for us to step back and understand long before it happens to our kids what they're about to face. This is where we have a conversation that says, you know what? When you get home or when you get back to school from Christmas break, your friends are going to be talking about all the trips they want on. Or this friend is going to be talking about how she, you know, went on her parents' private yacht to do mm-hmm. – you know, we, we see these things. We've experienced it. Right. We know it. And so then we can talk to our children and help them anticipate what those situations are going to look and feel like so that they're not overwhelmed That's great with these expectations. Advice, yeah. Even little things, you know, like them going back and having to deal with the presents someone else got. We have the conversations when we say, you know what, you're going to get back to school, for example, our seven-year-old, and one of your friends in second grade is going to have a cell phone. Now, we don't get cell phones in our house until we're 11, and the reason we don't is, and we explain that. So when she shows up the day after Christmas and she walks in and three kids got cell phones at 7, she's not thinking anything except, well, that's no big deal because we don't get them yet. They're not in our budget. And they understand what's happening. We're back to the communicating and the anticipation. Now, this works for everything, and we try to do it in our home, but my dad was a master at this. Was he great at this? He prepared me for... Every situation long before I got there, even little things, conversations like dating, I clearly remember him sitting me down and saying, hey, Heather, when you go out on a date, a boy might try this or Mm -hmm. he might say this or he might do this. Yeah. When he does those things, this is what he's thinking and this is what he means by those words. That's great. And so I remember clearly one time sitting in a car after a movie and all of a sudden those words were said. And And he's busting a move and you're like, what the? And I went, wait a second. That's great. My dad told me this. And when he told me this, we talked about what we're going to do. So my expectations were very, very clear. And that plays into everything. We can tell them what's going to happen. Everything from going to the grocery store to going on a date to once they hit college. Keep it appropriate for age and abilities, but be ahead of the game. Be long, be way ahead. Our kids can handle it. Not 15 years, but two is right. great. And you, you can talk in enough generality that right. it doesn't overwhelm them. Plus, then they attribute to you kind of foresight and insight. So right. they're like, man, my dad's on it or my mom gets sure. it. Sure, which is our which is our trust issue, Yeah, now right? they trust you. So now they're rolling that into other things. So this idea of anticipation, it's all about Christmas, but really this is a very powerful tool that we can use as parents Love all that. the time. So we want to anticipate. A couple other things. We want to make sure we're monitoring the praise and rewards we throw our kids. We are so quick to reward our kids because they put their shoes on. Well, we put <laughs> our shoes on every day. Or, you know, they do little things like they made their bed or they handle, they handle very – just mundane. Just yeah. everyday mundane. Things. The things we do because we're a family that live in a house that mm-hmm. we maintain together. Now, it's not bad to provide praise and rewards. But the fact of the matter is when we're just praising them for every little thing, the things they should be doing because they breathe and live, right? <laughs> we're creating unrealistic expectations. Yeah, praise we're setting, monsters. Right. We're setting them up. So here's the thing. If we feel that there needs to be praise for all things, praise the attributes 
and the effort and the ability instead of what they've done. Yeah. And now we will change things. So there really isn't a need to praise because, you know, your kid eats dinner every night. They they should be eating dinner every night or because they hang up, you know, our daughter right now. She always forgets to hang up her towel, even yeah. though it's part of, you know, hey, once you get out of the shower, hang up your towel. Make your bed. So instead, we're looking at the attributes instead of those things they should be doing. It's, hey, thanks for whether it's having a good memory or working hard or doing things that you might not enjoy or like. Now we're giving them praise for skills they're going to need throughout their whole life. That's great. And then, then you, can, you can always praise effort. Right. And so then we're, again, managing those expectations. Instead of them being 21 and having their first you know, job or experience and going, wait, you know, I made a copy. Why isn't everybody praising Hello? me? Hello. You know, I, I wrote. Did you some. not see this? It's exactly right. And <laughs> yeah. again, unrealistic realistic expectations. A couple yeah. other things that are really basic are is the need for us as parents to teach true happiness and true contentment. We are not really good at doing that because we're surrounded by a society that's giving us false messages about what makes us happy. And so, for our children, let's go back to the basics, which really started you know, bazillions of years ago, but we can go back to even Aristotle, who has very clear research that shows us that true happiness comes from developing relationships, living a moral life, and gaining knowledge. Mm. Keep it that basic for your children. Show them that true happiness comes from strengthening family and friend relationships, gaining knowledge in different areas, having experiences, and behaving in moral fashions. Those very basic things are what truly makes our heart soar and our mind stretch and makes us happy. Oh, yeah. And so some of the ways we can do this, too, with little children that are hands-on, we can have them volunteer and serve others. We can have them, every time they get something, give up something Mm -hmm. so that they recognize it's not about the excess but the true contentment with the one thing or those needed. Uh, Even passing down clothes as they get something new, they have to pass down what they did have to siblings below them or cousins or neighbors so that they're recognizing that in the getting also comes the giving. What a great – and right now you can do that, right? What a great idea that – even right now, you could be sitting there saying, look, you're going to be getting some new things. What could we do with the old things? Let's start right. giving. And, oh, giving. As Then it's a process of every time I'm getting, I'm constantly giving. Right. And, and you habitualize that. That's cool. Instead of always just me, me, me. What yeah. more can I have? Once we're teaching contentment, we're obviously also teaching the need to work. We've got to teach our children to work. You know, in the 50s, even the 60s, it used to be that families worked together side by side. And so they learned that work ethic, but they're not learning it anymore because we're not doing that anymore. We also need to provide our children with challenges. They will not wake up and say, make my life hard. And so (laughs) we need to make it a little bit challenging because in challenges comes success and fail and in success and failures comes real life experiences and real life teaches us what's realistic. Hadge, you did it again. That's amazing. That's great insight. Great insight. Happy holidays to you. Same to you. Uh, Good luck. Uh, Watch out for hoverboards Hoverboards. and um, drones. And drones. That's kind of the lesson of the day. We left those off the list this year. Did you? Yeah, well, small children, explosions. You know what? Yeah, they don't always go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, But I have a friend that's selling a hoverboard. Oh. If you want to buy it. Did it already explode and that's why you're selling it? No, but it's just one that could explode. Oh, okay. So if you need it, it's, there you go. it's only $400. You could put that out there. Anyone listening? <laughs> yeah. Anybody listening, give me a call. we got a hoverboard. One in site. a thousand. You'll be okay. Hadge, you're the best. Uh, again, go check out Heather Ann Johnson's uh, website, family or familyvolley.com. And uh, 
you know, she's the bomb. She's the real deal. We'll take a break. Come back. Go visit our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. everybody to the Matt Townsend show. We're going to send it down to our good buddies there at BYU Sports Nation. And uh, hey, guys, welcome to the show. Top of the morning to you. Are you there? We've lost you. Hey, guys, can you hear us? I bet you can hear us. You're chomping at the bit. Man, we got so much to ask them, too. So we're going to continue to try to get them on the on the line with us. They're just down the hall, for heaven's sakes. Want to hear about uh, the coaching decision? Have they made a decision yet? Again, can you hear us down there, guys, at BYU Sports Nation? Mm. Matt. Yeah, Matt. I, can, I can hear you Matt. now. Hello, gentlemen. Can you hear me now? Yes. Dude, yes, we're, dude, we we're in Las Vegas, man. We you're, can hear you the whole time. You're in Vegas? We're at the Hard Rock Hotel. Yes, no wonder. Vegas, bro. No wonder you guys, you guys were probably at the buffet. Could the you... satellite was a little slow transmitting your golden tones. I hate that satellite. Hey, did you guys take the bus trip down? <laughs> it's audio. It's probably a phone line. Right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is great, you guys. How's, What's up? How's Vegas going? It is It is 45 degrees right now. Ooh. We're in jacket. Big That's coats. Cold. Seriously. Yeah. We're out at a pool at the Hard Rock Hotel. So if they're Matt Townsend... BYU Radio, BYU, BYU Sports Nation fans, they can come out. You just come out to the pool. You can come hang out and see the show today. Are you wearing a swimsuit awesome. and a coat? Is that what you're wearing? Okay, I thought I was going to wear board shorts and we'd just be hanging out, That's diving in the happening. pool after. No, no. I'm you're literally freezing. in four layers. <laughs> That's not happening. Yeah, it's really cold. You guys, this is a big deal because the, the, didn't the bus tour leave uh, yesterday? Yes. And so how did how, the bus how, tour left yesterday? And you and you all just sat. But we were, did you sit on the? Did you go on the buses with him, or did you just follow in your own cars? No. Oh heck, no, man! We had our own little caravan party going. We oh, got here cool. before Brigham did. That's great. Yeah, and then so last night we showed up, you know, uh, checked in, and then uh, a band that I wanted to see called Silver Sun Pickups mm-hmm. um, that I missed because of BYU basketball game last week. They played at the Hard Rock Hotel Ooh. last night. Last night, and so, Jerem didn't know. Yeah, this it is was, cool. it was great. So, did you surprise him? Is that did you say, Jerem, I got a surprise for you, and you took him down and 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 listened to the well, band? No, that's the thing. Like we just pulled up, and on on the big uh, marquee outside, it just said Bastille playing tonight. So immediately, with Silver Sun pickups. Oh, yeah, so immediately cool. with Bastille, Spencer and I were like, Hey, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, I left. I didn't even say to watch those guys. Oh, you didn't listen to Bastille? They're the best. Except no, for, he yeah. paid. No, I can do it myself. He I dropped fifty. He dropped fifty bucks to watch Silver Sun pickups and then leave. And then I left. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Holy cow! No, that's dude. not a joke. We don't have to say how much it was. My wife's gonna be like, "What did you do?" <laughs> you could have stayed for Bastille. Hashtag per diem, man. It's all good. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> just just expense that out. Hey, um, anything going on in the head coaching search? 
Man, there are we'll tons get, of new stuff. We'll give you the uh, latest, a lot of which revolves around a reporter from the Capital Gazette who covers Navy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's shedding a lot of light on the Kenya Matalolo situation and the BYU coaching situation at large. Uh, so we'll share with coming up on the show what he said. Excellent. Yeah, yeah there's some new what stuff coming out, out this morning. Oh, my heavens. Twitter is ablaze. This is exciting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is a big deal because this is this is Broncos' last last hurrah, right? The team wants to win for him. But there's got to be a little weirdness with the the coaching change going on. Do you sense that going on with the team? Well, we're going to talk to Fred Warner today, sophomore linebacker, about that very thing, very about good. how do you handle the distractions of handling a head coach and – Six of his assistants leaving essentially in five days after the bowl game. How do you get ready, stay motivated? So we're going to ask one of the guys. Who better to yeah. talk about that with than Fred Warner. one that's of the guys cool. that's actually living the situation. So there you go. Man, you guys got a good life, a good show coming up. But you're you're in Vegas till when? Saturday? Or are you coming home Sunday? What are you doing? Coming home Sunday. So we'll be live from the Hard Rock Hotel. People are invited to show up if they'd like. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then we'll be live from Sam Boyd Stadium uh, in a special Saturday edition of the show <laughs> at uh, a regular time of noon Eastern. Plus, countdown to kickoff. Spencer will be live on that. We'll be in Provo as well. Um, yeah, we got we got it covered. BYU and Utah, the coaching search. You follow BYU Sports Nation. You'll you'll stay in the know. It's everything you need to know. What what are you guys going to do tonight in Vegas? I mean, Cirque du Soleil. I think we're going to. F- uh, nope, I Donny think we're going Osmond. to the Fremont Street experience. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the teams will be at the Fremont experience, so we'll cover that. Tomorrow night's really the most important thing. That's Star Wars. We still have yet to figure out which theater we're going to go to. Oh, wow. Star Wars in Vegas. If you go out to the Strip, you can probably yeah, have your picture taken. I don't think it gets any... It doesn't get any bigger for Jerem Jordan in I'm life. looking to rent a Stormtrooper <laughs> costume somewhere. <laughs> Jerem's had the biggest trip of his life. The Silver Sun... What are they called? Pickups. Pickups. Trip is the operative word. Yeah. This is the trip of your life, man, because you got your favorite band, even though you ignored the mainliner, Bastille, and then you get Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, I could smell the tripping going on. By the way, that that just reminded me of something here. A little hernia yodel. (laughs) (laughs) A little Jerem the Goat. You guys, that's what I love about you. And then, and then, you're, are you going to dress up? I'm assuming you're dressing up, aren't you, Jerem, for the no. Star Wars release? No, I'm not like that. Come on, you've got those Princess Leia buns. But he said yesterday he was he was thinking about renting a stormtrooper costume, and I said you don't want to rent a stormtrooper costume in Las Vegas of no. all places. Jerem. No, don't. you do not know I, where that's been. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> the most truth Spencer's ever said to me. That's the truest statement ever. Just don't even go there. It's said a lot of statements in 600 shows. Yeah, yeah, you guys are done. <laughs> don't rent. You know, I wouldn't rent any costume down there. No, I no, I wasn't going to in the first place. <laughs> yes, you were. Come on, come on. Hey, but oh, it sounds like an airplane's landing. So you must be near yeah, the, the airport. Like, yeah. we are we are right. Oh, in, you can in, hear that in oh, the yeah. line of the uh, Las Vegas International Airport. <laughs> Perfect. It's live TV outside, man. You can see it's the great. new uh, high roller, the Ferris wheel. We oh, can see. Man. Yeah, it's great, man. It's a great band here. Do you think? Do you think someday you could take me, you know, out with you guys somewhere? I mean, yeah, I just we can go to lunch. No, no, no. I mean, like, like let me go to Vegas with you because. Oh. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I really never leave the building. You know, I just always here. 
Look, I'll talk to the I'll talk to the suits upstairs. Talk Matt. to the brass. Okay. Talk to the suits. Yeah, do that. We'll see what we can do. If you want, talk to Sheila Line. If you want, I could go rent Jeremy a costume and bring it down. <laughs> if you want me to do my show live from there, maybe Thursday. Now that's be- that's better because it would be rented in Utah and then yeah. brought to Las Vegas. Yeah. So that perhaps is an option. You don't want to do your show. In the shade here, I promise you. <laughs> is it for freezing? The sun's just coming yeah. up. Okay, we don't yeah. want to do so that. Cold. It's in the 40s, bro. Well, I'm going I'm, I'm to let you guys go into the buffet, warm up a bit before your show. So word up, bo- word up, you guys. Keep keep singing Bastille. Just know that we're worried about you, and and remember who you are. Return with honor. Right. <laughs> anyway, hey, stay sweet. Good luck, gentlemen. Be great. That's awesome. Thank you. Oh, that's fun. Man, yeah, we need we need something to travel to, don't you think, Ben? Anything. Yes. <sighs> I wonder what that'll be. We could travel to the next debate. Yeah, or to Hawaii or... Oh, maybe like a surf tournament. Yeah. In Hawaii, Hawaii. Is yeah, that how you say it? No, that's not how you say it. How do you, Hawaii. How do you Hawaii. say it? Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. Hawaii? Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. How do you say it in German? Hawaii. Yeah, not even close. Hey, uh, great stuff. Uh, did you hear about this? A 1,600-pound stocking weighs in as the world's largest stocking. Santa may need more reindeer, folks, to haul the gifts Required to fill what's been designated as the world's largest Christmas stocking. The Fayetteville Observer reports that the 1,600-pound, 7,700-square-foot stocking will be unveiled at Arnett Park in Fayetteville on Saturday. It was crafted by Knitters. No way. Knitters 7,700-square-foot stocking that was hand-knitted, I guess. Uh, from 50 states, four Canadian provinces, and Ireland who donated three-foot-by-three-foot swatches of knitted yarn. Kimberly Patrick, an adjunct, an adjudicator for Guinness World Records, says the stocking was measured by a local land surveying company and qualifies as the largest. The stocking was created with yarn from Karen United. The Washington, North Carolina-based company donated part of the proceeds from yarn sales to provide more than $100,000 for scholarships for the children of U.S. military members who have died. That's really cool. It's a scholarship opportunity. Now, I don't know what you do with a 1,600-pound stocking. Uh, All I know is that my mom would be mad that she now has to clean a 1,600-pound stocking. Plus, the bad side, there's only one. Right? So now you don't even have a pair. It ain't pretty, folks. Sorry to bring such truth to you, but we like to shoot straight with you. Hey, um, yes, you can also, by the way, and this is in the latest uh, headlines, if you love pizza, there's now a college major uh, or a college class in England where you'll be able to go study uh, how to make the perfect pie as part of your degree. Excellent. Crazy, more like it. Manchester Metropolitan University has teamed up with Pizza Hut restaurant chain to offer the course in Manchester. Candidates won't just be topping flatbread with tomato sauce and cheese before slamming it in the oven or debating the merits of thin versus sausage crusted whatever pizza. Now what you're going to do is you're going to just go study uh, and understand the health, the safety aspects. People will learn how to run their own business. 
It's Pizza Hut's helping you create a university class so that you know how to run like a local franchise, a business. So it's kind of like Pizza Theory? It's Pizza Theory. It's Pizza Hut management class, basically. That's pretty cool. More than 1,500 students will be enrolled in the next five years. KFC and McDonald's also offer similar apprenticeships in the U.K. That's great. One way or another, right? Hey, as you know, we like to end the show on a happy note, talk about a hero of the day. Today's hero is a Tulane University medical student, Peter Gold. Listen to his story. Peter Gold is the hero of the day, a man who showed an inspiring example of everyday heroism in a dangerous situation. Security footage shows the gunman, 21-year-old Eric Kane, uh, no, Eric Kane, dragging a girl down the street when an SUV pulls up and the driver of the SUV is Peter Gold. 25-year-old Tulane University medical student tried to stop the man that was attacking this woman, um, and but the attacker ended up pulling out a semi-automatic gun and held it to Gold's head, demanding money. But when Gold told the man he didn't have any money, the crazed gunman fired a shot into Gold's gut. Kane tried shooting two more times, but his gun jammed. The footage shows the shooter snatching the woman's purse before driving off in a silver SUV. Our hero, Peter Gold, is recovering at a local hospital where he is expected to make a full recovery. The woman was treated for minor injuries. Friends hailed Gold as a hero, calling him a selfless guy who likes to help others. One of Gold's classmates at Tulane said, It doesn't surprise me that he would have pulled over his car and attempted to save somebody. He's a great guy. Tulane University and the police department are offering a $12,500 reward for any information about the shooter who is still on the run. Peter Gold, medical student, you're the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. Folks, they're everywhere. Each of us can be a hero. just means we show up at the right time, and in that moment we act and do what's right. Doing what's right will always make you a hero, folks. Uh, Even if everyone around the area doesn't think you're the hero, doing what's right, what better choice do you have? That's the show. We'll be back tomorrow. More ideas, more tools to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Until tomorrow, take care of each other. Watch each other's backs. We'll talk again tomorrow.